Greetings and salutations, everybody. Welcome to the Best Damn Move Related Show on the Planet Earth, the John Campy Show, coming to you live right here from my YouTube channel, brought to you in part by our friends at Mint Mobile. I am, of course, John Campia, and it is an awesome honor and privilege, as it is every day, to have you, our international friends, gather around so we talk about our favorite things in the world, movies and movie news, TV and streaming, and all sorts of good stuff. I'm joined in a full house today by Mr. Robert Meyer Burnett. Back there, we got Ray Ora. Taylor Gonzalez is in the house, oh. as is Jonathan Boyko <laughs> running the show. The delightful Chris Carr is here. And most importantly, you guys are here. And we got a bunch of things to talk about here. We're going to do our little non-spoiler review of Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. Disney is massively going to be cutting back on its Marvel production and cutting the budgets of some Star Wars stuff, apparently. Is... Obi-Wan season two going to get announced at celebration. Are we going to get a movie announcement? We'll talk about that a little bit. Uh, Bruce Willis's unfortunately health has continued to deteriorate. We'll talk about that a little bit, that and a whole things more. And we are glad you're joining us here today. So let's not waste any time, shall we? And dive right into it. And we're going to start with this. Now, one of the upcoming Marvel films that I'm actually really excited to see besides guardians, of the galaxy three, which I'm very, very stoked to see is the Marvels because I really liked uh, Captain Marvel. I loved Ms. Marvel and I adored WandaVision. So you're taking those three characters, looking forward to that. Well, going to have to wait a little bit longer for it because according to reports coming out of Variety, Marvel has now moved the release date of the Marvels from summer to fall. According to them, Marvel fans will have to wait just a little longer to go higher, further, faster with the Marvels. Previously dated for July 28th, 2023, Marvel Studios released a teaser poster today featuring Brie Larson's Captain Marvel, uh, Tayona uh, Paris's Monica Rambo, and Iman Vellani's good Canadian kid, by the way, Ms. Marvel, with the news that the film from director Nia DaCosta will now hit theaters on November 10th. So we're going to have to wait a couple of extra months for it to come. But they released the first official poster, which we can take a look at here. Uh, I For a first conceptual poster... I really dig it. Yep. I, again, this won't be the the final official poster that's going to be hanging in the theaters and everything, but for a first tease conceptual poster, I really dig it. I, I love seeing this guy. Just I'm just so desperate to see Ms. Marvel again. I, I It didn't quite top WandaVision for me as the best Disney Plus show, but it, it came really close. It came closer than I thought any of the, their other MCU shows could. I adored that. I cannot wait to see this one coming back again. Uh, anyway, Rob, any reason for concern about a move of like about three and a half months here? Apparently, they just wanted to swap spots with another one of the releases. And what do you think about the new poster? Well, one, I love the new poster because I, I love artwork. I love conceptual artwork on posters. And while they're, you know, they're now using Photoshop or they're using digital files of photographs for everything this is a really cool poster in terms of you know john i've always thought a great movie poster a great piece of key art should mythologize the movie itself in one image certainly the tom jung classic star wars poster does the gone with the wind empire strikes back poster did jaws even though it was a riff on the book cover you know the great movie posters in this striking image they promise you something about what it feels like to watch the movie and if this is this is a promise and uh, I, I, I love it. And in terms of, of, I wish Marvel would do more of these conceptual posters. Mm -hmm. um, and in terms of the pushing the movie back, I think it's probably a good thing. You know, anytime they can tweak these movies, the more they have time to do that, 
maybe if they need to do reshoots or things. It seems like we've been getting this compressed schedule of Marvel stuff. I'd rather we're get, gonna be talking a little bit more about. Yeah, I mean, I'd rather get three movies rather than four movies a year if they're really well done. And I think that I don't think there's we should be concerned about it. They're swapping it with uh, the Haunted Mansion, which might be a better summer movie anyway. See, that's the first thing that went in my head, Chris, was that I wonder if they're thinking they're taking these two movies and they think the Marvels will sell better in November than Haunted Mansion will. We think Haunted Mansion could benefit from that July date. And July, we're getting into the later summer anyway. So I, I wonder if, if they, they're doing it because they needed time to tweak or if they're doing it because just strategically they think this will work out better for them. I don't know. Chris, what do you think about the date move and what do you think about the poster we just got? I do think the date move is to accommodate families who have time off for the summer. Haunted Mansion is going to be a family film that I think a lot of people are going to see. And I think it's going to have that same kind of vibe as Pirates did, hopefully, right? You're going to have this big summer boom. It's going to make this ride seem even more fun. We're going to take it and hopefully do a little better than the Eddie Murphy version. That one was <laughs> fine, but better. hopefully this one will be a little bit better. And I think, too, you know, Phase 4 has not had, you know, its problems. It has not been well received by everybody. There have been some big misses. There have been a few things that I think could have been better if we had tightened up and focused. I am a quality over quantity person. And while I love Marvel movies and I'm a diehard Marvel comic book fan, I don't go to movies so I can be like, oh, yeah, this is stuff that I've read and I know about this and I get to feel right about it. I want to go see a good story done well. So I'm hoping that them taking a little more time just means maybe they're making some tweaks to the story overall. Maybe they're really working on those effects because it's going to be such an effects heavy film, too. We've got so many super powered females here. So I think this is the right move and I am excited to see what they do. Good and, things come to those who wait. And it's not like this. This isn't like one of the Aquaman situations where they literally took the movie and moved it a year. Yeah, they moved this a couple of months. So it's, it's not that big of a shift. Anyway, guys, questions for you. What do you think? about this little date shift for the Marvels. And what do you think about the first poster? Whatever you guys think, jump down to the comments section below and let us know your thoughts. All right, guys, with that down, let's get on to another off the top here, shall we? And that is this. Now, of course, Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania is now in theaters. We're gonna be reviewing the film a little bit later in the show. But this was kind of interesting. During the press tour, Evangeline Lilly, again, good Canadian kid, who kind of really came to fame in the show Lost. That's where she really became huge. And in one of my most biggest pleasant surprise movies of the past couple of decades, Real Steel, that she co-starred in with Hugh Jackman. Well, apparently, because of her popularity in Lost, a lot of film franchises were looking to get their claws into her, including... The X-Men franchise. I see what you did there. Uh, you like that? You like that? Huh? huh? I'm glad you caught that. Including the X-Men franchise, they really wanted to get her in. But here's the problem. She wasn't taking their calls. She was turning down meetings, wasn't taking their calls. So when the producers at 20th Century Fox, where X-Men was at the time, found out that she was doing a movie with Hugh Jackman, they said, Hugh, Hugh, you're going to pull her aside, pitch her, pitch her on becoming an X-Man. And uh, apparently she... Uh, she said no. She turned down Hugh Jackman, which is not an easy thing to do. Uh, the folks over at Deadline wrote the following. They said, even the charms of Hugh Jackman were not enough to convince Evangeline Lilly to become an X-Man, or woman as the case may be. During the promotional rounds for her new film, Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania, Lilly revealed that she once turned down Jackman's pitch to have her join an X-Men film. The request came while they were both working on the 2011 film Real Steel, and she told the Happy, Sad, Confused podcast, he was like, hey, 
So the X-Men guys are asking me if I would approach you because they know you won't talk to anybody, she said. They knew I was working with you and they were interested to know if you would ever do the X-Men thing. And she said, I was like, nope, it doesn't interest me. I'm not interested. And then she says, you know, I kind of feel like a dick just saying that, like you should at least pretend that you were interested. Now, also around the same time, I guess Joss Whedon was trying to court her to play Wonder Woman. Now, I don't know what was going on with DC and Joss Whedon at the time that he was going around trying to find a woman when she turned that one down too. She talks about she wasn't interested in comic movies at the time. And then she started to see what Marvel was doing. And she started saying, these movies look interesting. And that's when she entertained being the Wasp. But it's just kind of funny. You think today, now we're going back into the earlier 2000s, you know, the, the 2000s. We're going back over a decade now. But like today... I mean, other than Leonardo DiCaprio, no actors are turning down big, big comic book franchises. At least very few. Very few are turning those ones down. But uh, she was turned down X-Men. She was turned down DC, all that kind of stuff. Anyway, Chris, you hear about this as an actress yourself, mm-hmm. hearing about other actresses turning down these, these roles. But she was probably pretty oh, busy at the time. Oh, to be in that position, that would be nice. It's a good problem <laughs> to have. What do you think about this? I mean, I think that it's great that she's being honest about it. Of just, look, at the time, this was not something that people thought was particularly, you know, good for your career or maybe wasn't good for mine. And now that I've seen some of the other work, I absolutely want to be in this kind of stuff. And obviously she is. And I think we all kind of forget about that, too. For a while, you know, comic book movies weren't these big blockbusters. They were pretty goofy. They were kind of looked down on. I mean, not in the way that people talk about how it's not cinema, but in general, movie audiences weren't rushing out to see a lot of these things for several years. We slowly had this buildup with the X-Men films, with the Sam Raimi Spider-Man films. So I totally get why she'd pass on them, even with Hugh Jackman telling her she should do it. That's the part that killed me. Yeah. When, when Hugh Jackman <laughs> says, hey, I'd like you to come and be in these movies with me. I say, like, how in demand are you or how... Just secure are you in where you are in life right now? They go, mm, nah. I don't know. Rob, you heard about the story. What do you think? Well, I mean, I can understand, I guess. I can understand that because we, you know, we think that by being in the movie business, it's the end-all, be-all of, of experiences. And there's a lot of people that, while they love their professions, they also want to be able to do other things. And she was in a show that had a lot of scrutiny that ran for a long time. So... She was probably now, pretty... By the way, she still makes residual checks on Yeah, yeah. She still it's is getting paid show, for being in loss. And she was one of the principals of that show, so she was not doing badly. And I'm sure that she wanted to take her pick of things. And she's a good Canadian girl, right? She probably, you know, wanted to live her life. And I can understand that being in an X-Men movie doesn't necessarily further your career the way you might want it to. You know, where, where, uh, where's Psylocke these days? You know, mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. so wow. it, Ouch. It's, I, I know I, I shouldn't be mean. I, I don't mean to be mean. Married um, to John Mulaney. But, <laughs> she, yeah, she, yeah, Psylocke's with John Mulaney Yeah, now. she's with John Mulaney. There you go. And he's not doing badly at all. I don't know their no, no, he's not. Uh, so, but no, that's, that's, um, that's what I mean. Life, life <laughs> happens to you. But I, look, I love Evangeline Lilly. I love her as a presence. I've, I, I think she's great. And I love her as the Wasp. Hot Toys made an action figure of her. And they're going to make another one. Uh, So she's great. But I think it's cool that she did this on her own terms. And then what did she do? She comes back to the Marvel Universe. And now her character's name is on the masthead. It might come after Ant-Man. But now she has two movies with Ant-Man and the Wasp. Which she, uh, I think she made the right choice in the long run. Good for you, Evangeline. All right, guys. Question is for you. 
What do you think about the sounds of Evangeline Lilly actually probably could have been even more prominent things, but maybe she couldn't have been an Ant-Man if she did. She was offered Wonder Woman. She was offered the X-Men. And there was a period of time where she's like, maybe the comic book industry wasn't quite where it needed to be yet. I don't know. What do you think about that? Sounds crazy turning down roles like that, but I guess that's what she did. Whatever you guys think about that, jump down to the comment section below and let us know your thoughts. All right, guys. With that down... Let's do another off the top here, shall we? And uh, this one's kind of really more uh, of a bummer sort of one. You guys all know that uh, some time ago, uh, they announced that uh, Bruce Willis, iconic, legendary actor, action star, was going to be stepping away from action, uh, from, from acting uh, with a condition called, and I hope I'm pronouncing this right, aphasia, I think they call mm -hmm. it, which gave him struggles with, uh, sometimes he would struggle with speaking a little bit, uh, memory retention, things like that. Well, they have now updated, because since that happened, there was a lot of, well, there's a lot of misunderstanding around the condition at all. A lot of people had never even heard of it. And, and we saw a lot of chatter online about people saying how long till Bruce Willis comes back and, and all that kind of stuff. Well, Bruce Willis's family, including his current wife, his ex-wife and uh, and his daughters have put out a, a big joint statement together talking about Bruce's condition. And unfortunately, it sounds like it has deteriorated uh, more and will continue to worsen. Uh, the report and deadline here is saying that Bruce's condition worsens with frontotemporal dementia diagnosis, which I'm not going to lie, sounds like something they made up in Star Trek. Uh, but it's, it's a real condition. And uh, you hate, there's the scary word in there is dementia. I mean, that's, that's the scary one. Um, the report says this. Actor Bruce Willis has been newly diagnosed with frontotemporal dementia, a serious indication of a progression of the aphasia his family announced in 2022. Willis's family made the new announcement today. FTD is a cruel disease uh, that many of us have never even heard of and can strike anyone, says the statement attributed to Willis's wife, Emma Hemming, his ex-wife, uh, Demi Moore, and children, runner, uh, scout, Tulua. Mabel and Evelyn. In March of 2022, the family announced that the diehard Armageddon and Pulp Fiction star was stepping away from acting due to aphasia, a condition that affects his ability to speak, write, and understand language. Um, this is really heartbreaking to hear about, you know, especially when, look, a lot of us are, as fans, I often talk about like when we lost Robin Williams and we lost Carrie Fisher. There is this irrational grief that hits us as fans, even those who had never, ever met Robin Williams or had never, ever met Carrie Fisher. But I think to a degree, our brains don't understand the difference. Our brains just know we spent a lot of time with that person, whether maybe not in person, but on our screen. We spend a lot of time loving their characters and, and being engaged with them as individuals. And so when they, if some tragedy strikes, it, it moves us emotionally in a way that maybe we're not prepared for. When I read, was reading this news, I felt a particular pang um, about it. And, and I, I think the reason for that is the same reason we got so moved emotionally when Carrie Fisher passed, because most of my life I have grown up watching, I'm not going to say Bruce Willis as a father figure, but as this strong action can tackle the world kind of character, right? That's, that's who we see on screen. And it's, it's really, I, I don't want to say the word disturbing. I, I'm not quite sure what the right word is I'm looking for, but it's, it certainly shakes me a little bit when 
when something like that happens. It's it's an incredible tragedy, especially for you know a guy who has given the type of engagement and entertainment to us over the years that he has given. And it ma- it makes me wonder. Just just being honest, it makes me wonder. You know, we've we've often been critical of Bruce Willis over the last number of years in his career because a lot of times it just felt like he was phoning it in. Well, maybe he wasn't phoning it in. Maybe the, he's been the the uh, the his condition maybe has been manifesting itself slowly for longer than we think. I, I mean, I'm not really sure. But anyway, Rob, you hear about this news. What are your thoughts? Well, again, you know, the end all be all of life is not making movies. And even though so many of us dream of maybe one day working in the industry or becoming an actor ourselves, it's still at the end of the day, it's still just people. And I think when we see icons like Bruce Willis, I mean, you have to ask yourself, why has he been making all these direct-to-video movies? But he was... For a couple of days' of work, he's getting paid a million bucks over and over and over and over again. So clearly, he knew that he knew that he was being afflicted. I think that you know he did the smart thing. He made as much money as he could for his family while he could earn, you know, and and probably set everybody up to take care of them because he has a number of children. And I think that was a smart play. And he's getting out. He got out when he had to. And I mean, I hate to see this happen to anybody. And I think by being being able to spend his the rest of his life not worrying about any kind of financial anything burdensome financially and he can be surrounded by i mean he's got a he's got a like a compound of ladies that'll take care of him you know what's not to love and he can go live the rest of his life and i think more power to him i mean he from moonlighting all the way through his career he gave us 30 almost 40 years of great entertainment and a great a great entertainment legacy um you know, it's funny. I was watching uh, the the new 4K disc that was recent, recently released of Pulp Fiction. And then I listened to Quentin Tarantino tell the story on a YouTube video about how he cast Bruce Willis. And what what a performer he is. And and the, the conversation, they didn't have a very good time. But the, the, <laughs> um, the, uh, the, it, it, he's just, you know, I really, I really like Bruce Willis. And shout out to his brother, David, because without David Willis, I couldn't have made a movie. So... Thanks to the Willis family. You know, when, when I think of Bruce Willis, obviously we think of Die Hard and all that kind of stuff. Armageddon is one of my big guilty pleasure movies in my life. I love Armageddon. But I don't know why. I often think of this one cameo he did in the Ocean's Eleven franchise when they did that horrible gag that, oh, this character happens to look a lot like Julia Roberts. And it was Julia Roberts. But then Bruce Willis makes a cameo in that scene who thinks it's Julia Roberts. And I don't know why, but like Bruce Willis himself pretty much saves that horrible, horrible, horrible scene and that horrible gag they tried to do. I, I just always think of how he played. It was great. Look, anyway, it, it, I want to say one last thing. He was in a movie called What Just Happened yep. that Robert De Niro stars yep. where he plays himself as not a sympathetic version of himself. <laughs> and I got to give him all the credit in the world for doing it because he was great. That scene in the in the, in the the wardrobe uh, room. Anyway... Uh, Chris, oh. you you hear about this news. What are your thoughts? I mean, it's horrible. It, it really is a cruel disease. I think that's such a fitting way to describe this because not only do you start losing your own language capacities and those basic motor functions, you start losing all cognitive abilities. You have memory deterioration. Your personality changes. That's what so much of the frontal lobe con- uh, controls. And so it, it's a really, really cruel situation because you become a different person and you, you really suffer and your family suffers and the life expectancy that comes with this too is still about seven to 13 years so it's a long long time to be dealing with this so my heart just really goes out to him and his family 
And I, I really appreciate all of them coming together too to make this joint statement because what a really difficult thing to go through. Anyway, guys, question is for you. What do you think about this news? I, I mean, this just, there's no other way to say it. It just sucks to hear about this. What are your fondest memories of the career of Bruce Willis and the, the like countless moments he has given us over the year with this career that he's had? Anyway, guys, whatever your thoughts are, jump down to the comment section below and leave those thoughts there. All right, guys, with that down, let's go on to another off the top here, shall we? And that one is this. You know, I have never been a big Scream fan. Uh, I mean, I like the first one as much as anybody. Never cared for the rest of the franchise, just being honest. And then, what was it, a year ago? Mm -hmm. Scream 5 came out, and, and me and Ray went to go see it with Anne. And I walked up going, you know what, damn it, that was fun. I had a good time. I mean, it's not, to quote Martin Scorsese, it's not great cinema per se, but it was fun. I had a good time with it. And then out of nowhere, Jenna Ortega becomes like the hottest thing in the world. So they fast-tracked, and I mean fast-tracked, getting another one made. And we got Scream 6 coming out. And now they're projecting that Scream 6 right now is going to be the biggest opening of the franchise's history. Because right now they're saying that Scream 6 is heading at this moment to open to $37 million dollars. Now, if it does open to 37 million, remember that line can move, maybe higher, maybe a little bit lower, whatever. But if it does come out and hit that $37 million mark, like we said, it makes it the biggest they've ever had. Let's jump, jump over to the classroom for a second. So with the Scream franchise, we're looking at this. It's projected for six to make $37 million. That would put it over the previous record holder, which was Scream 3, uh, which I forgot to put million there. Scream 3 was the previous record holder for the franchise at 34.7 million. Now, the recent Scream, of course, it was still in kind of wrestling with the theaters, being in the pandemic uh, ramifications and all that kind of stuff, but it did a very respectable $30 million opening. So this new one comes out 37. That will be the new topper. I attribute this to two things. Number one, because the last one was really fun. The, the, I, again, I just thought it had far more entertainment value than I ever thought it could have or had any business having. And listen, there's some real stupid stuff in it, but pretty entertaining. And then the second thing for this $37 million, I, I think is all, it's also all about Jenna Ortega. Uh, I mean, Wednesday was a massive, massive hit for Netflix. I can't remember how many weeks it stayed at number one on Netflix, which does not happen often. Um, and she's just kind of on fire right now. By the way, they just announced that she's going to be hosting Saturday Night Live in March. Wow. I don't know if you saw that. So she's going to be hosting Saturday Night Live as well. So I think those two things combined is what is giving us these numbers. Anyway, Chris, you are, of course, our resident horror aficionado. <laughs> uh, what do you attribute the projections of this being the biggest opening of the franchise? And listen, this is a well-known, popular, long-running franchise. Why is this one going to be the biggest one they've ever had? I have no idea. I don't watch these. I yield my time <laughs> to Taylor Gonzalez. Like, I... <laughs> I saw the first one and I understood the satirical nature of it and then I never went back. But I mean, she's a really she's a really in-demand actress right now. The last one I know got really, really great reviews. This seems like a really fun reinvention of it with the subway part. But like, I would defer to Taylor since he's actually the <laughs> horror guy. I don't know nothing about nobody. I am <laughs> always, whenever I see images, I am always stunned how short she is. She's a very little girl. She's very small. Anyway, hey, young woman. Taylor, you are a, mm -hmm. a big fan of this franchise. You excited about this? And why Why is this one going to get more money than the other ones? All right, let me tell you guys. Scream 6 is my most anticipated movie for the rest of the year. 
I am the biggest Scream fan you will ever come across. I called it, I think it was this week, I said 38 million was what I projected it to make. I'm going to change it. I'm going to go to 42 million. I think just the marketing has been great. And Jenna Ortega is a queen right now. Like she is everything right now. So the addition of her and Hayden Panettiere coming back as Kirby. How could you not be excited for that? That is She's Kirby from Nintendo? No, I, oh, I wish. But but Kirby from Scream 4. Oh, okay. It's save okay, the cheerleader, we'll save along. the world. I'll explain it all. Okay. But the marketing has been great. And to see Ghostface finally leave Woodsboro and come to New York, that is badass. Just imagine, like, the, the subway is just one example. There's, like, a, a 7-Eleven that they're in. But just think of, like, the apartment complexes, just all the different unique things you get in New York, the, the pizza rats, the things that you don't the get bodegas. in Woodsboro. So it's okay. just so exciting. So, Rob, let's put it to you then. Why, at, at, with the long-running franchises this has been, why is Six going to be the, uh, according to projections, going to end up being the biggest opening they've ever had? Well, first of all, I think Jenna Ortega has become, she's caught that zeitgeist wave with her her Wednesday dance. And Wednesday is, Wednesday is a huge show. You know, it bolstered her star. I mean, that's what, the, we've seen this countless times when somebody's in a project that explodes across pop, pop culture and, and affects people in many different ways. And and what's interesting is this comes, Wednesday came after her turn in Scream 5. So yes. she's already established in the franchise. And of course she was in X, which had, had and, oh, which She was great. It. Oh my God, in X? Wow. Um, yes, I don't know what that makes me. But the, the, the fact that Scream 6 is coming out, first of all, like Taylor said, even I... I'm excited for Scream 6. The idea that somebody has a ghost face shrine, you know, and um, is Matthew Lillard going to be the killer, Taylor? What do you no, think? he's not. You sure? <laughs> okay, just checking. Um, did I spoil something? No, I don't know. But uh, he's dead. But I just think that this movie has, <laughs> it, it has again, it's got that pop culture wave. Scream 5, even you like Scream 5. I did. Scream 5 is a lot of fun. And, and coming off that, and a new premise. Hopefully, it doesn't turn out to be the Jason Takes Manhattan of the franchise because <laughs> that movie is truly wretched, disappointing. He was on like a boat until he got to Manhattan. Boring. Um, but anyway, I, I just think it's a it's 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 the time, it's the place, it's the people. All right, guys. Better question be. is for you. The word. Why do you think that they are projecting that Scream Six is going to be the biggest opening that this franchise has ever had? Do you think it's because of the quality of Scream Five? Do you think it's Jenna Ortega? Maybe there's some other factors you think that we're not taking into consideration. Whatever you guys think, jump down to the comments section below and let us know your thoughts. All right, guys. With that down, we are going to move on to our Mint Mobile hotline question of the day. If you guys got a question for the show and you'd like to hear your voice on our show waves, you can go ahead and call our hotline anytime at 951-268-4259. And uh, we've got one today about the upcoming Star Wars celebration. Hey, John, this is Alan. I was just wondering, what are some of the things you think we could expect from Star Wars celebration this year? Could we get an announcement of maybe an Obi-Wan Season 2, maybe like a crossover movie between all this Disney Plus series? But do you think we could finally get what most Star Wars fans have been wanting, the announcement of an actual Star Wars movie at Celebration this year? Thanks, and I'd love to hear your thoughts. All right, thanks, Alan, for sending that in. And, yeah, we got Star Wars Celebration is coming up. Uh, last one was a big fart duster. Uh, there really was, it was what it was. But going into Star Wars Celebration this year, what could come out of that? 
like Star Wars Celebration is supposed to be this thing where not only do they celebrate, it's right in the name, but traditionally, not always, they, they drop some big things, make some big announcements, things like that. And I think, well, I mean, we remember what happened to D23 last year. That was a fart burger of the highest proportions. Like, and I thought going into that D23, I thought they were going to drop bomb after bomb after bomb turned out to be a firecracker in the wind. I mean, it was, it was nothing, but I don't believe that Star Wars celebration this year is going to be bomb after bomb after bomb, but I am anticipating some pretty big announcements and you alluded to one of them. I, if you guys remember not long ago, you and McGregor, we talked about it on the show probably about a month or so ago. You McGregor openly said, yeah, I'm ready. I'm ready to do Obi-Wan season two. I'm ready to go back, blah, blah, all that kind of stuff. Is he saying that stuff if there aren't actually some things going on behind the scenes? So I will go out on a limb here, Alan, and I will say no. that I do believe it. <laughs> I believe, I'm not reporting it. I'm not saying I've got any facts to give you, but I believe we are going to get an Obi-Wan season two announced. Look, I didn't I ended up being disappointed with Obi-Wan. It started very, very strong, kind of like She-Hulk did. I thought the first episode was absolutely fabulous, but it kind of waned after a bit. And I ended up disappointed. Even though I there was a number of things in the finale, like that lightsaber fight between Obi-Wan and, and Vader was baller. I mean, that that was a great, great scene. But overall, I was pretty disappointed with it. But the reality is. A lot of people tuned in watching. It was a legacy character that everybody really likes. Everybody likes Hugh McGregor as Obi-Wan. And so it would just make sense with the numbers that it got that that is something they would announce. So I'm expecting, although again, no proof, I am expecting that we're going to get an Obi-Wan season two. I am also expecting, finally, official movie announcements. Now, uh, we've been getting a lot of little bits here and there, a lot of movie reviews dot fart kind of, we got a scoops and things like that, but they've been very, very, very thin on actual official announcements to make. And uh, Kathleen Kennedy said the odd thing, oh, you know, uh, Taika Waititi's in development and all that kind of stuff. Yes, but very, very thin on actual real, here's the movie we're doing, here is the date it's coming, we're moving on it now, here's our director, you know, I believe we are going to get one or two of those at Star Wars Celebration this year for, for two different reasons. One, the major trades are kind of expecting to hear it. And when the major trades, and I'm talking Hollywood Reporter, Variety, The Wrap, when the major trades start saying we are expecting to hear this, that means they have little birdies telling them things. So that's one reason why. The second reason why is because sitting on the throne again is Big Papa Iger. Big Papa Iger did not buy Lucasfilm so could just spit out some Disney Plus series. He bought Lucasfilm so they could make billion after billion after billion, which is what the Star Wars franchise has done for Disney since they acquired it, with the one exception being Solo, a movie they never should have made, even though I like it. But that is this franchise made billion after billion after billion. We're now going on four years Four years since we've had a Star Wars movie in theaters and ain't none in production right now. So I now believe with Big Papa Iger back, one of the very first things he did is, is got on the phone with Kathleen Kennedy and said, I know you're on your way out, but you're still the person in charge here. We, we, what do we got on the plate? We need to get a, an actual movie in production. 
I think that's going to be something that's announced there. What that will be, I'm not sure. Are they going to codify the Taika Waititi thing? I'm starting to have my doubts the Taika Waititi one is even going to happen. I hope it will, but I'm having my doubts. Is it going to be this, uh, 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 the guy who did The Watchmen, um, Lindelof? Is it going to be the Lindelof thing? A good chance of that. Um, maybe a legacy director coming back to do something. I don't know, but I'm, so I am expecting Obi-Wan season two. I'm expecting an announcement about the future of Mandalorian, and I'm expecting at least one significant movie announcement. So that's my guess going into celebration. Chris, mm -hmm. celebration is just around the corner now. Yeah. What, if anything, or is this going to just be another Again, Fartburger, where there's really nothing else. I'm expecting a couple things. What do you think? Well, I do think we are going to see a little bit from Skeleton Crew and from Ahsoka. Even if it is just kind of key art or things like that, I think they have to show a little bit of stuff on that since they have been in the production side of those things. I really hope they make a film announcement, though. That's what's been really missing from Star Wars is seeing Star Wars on a big screen. So I think you got to commit to some kind of film announcement. And it can't just be another, oh, hey, yeah, Taika Waititi's working on something. Oh, yeah, uh, Patty's working on something. We need to have some actual proof of concept here that gives us all a little more belief that we're going to go to a galaxy far away. Now, Rob, I'm glad you brought up Patty, Chris, because, Rob, they did make a solid announcement to Patty Jenkins. They had her out on that tarmac mm -hmm. with a life-size X-Wing fighter and her in the pilot suit, and that went nowhere. Now, officially, officially, that's not off the books. Right. Officially, it's still alive, but I don't think any of us are expecting it at this point. Damn it, I do want to see that movie, though. I really do want to see that movie, but I, I'm doubtful. Obviously, like Chris said, we're going to get promotion of the things that are coming. We're going to get Ahsoka. We're going to get, you know, a, a few, like definitely we're going to get Skeleton Crew stuff, some things like that. Maybe season seven of the Bad Batch, useless, whatever. What do you think we're going to see coming out of Celebration this year? I think we are going to get a film announcement, and I think it's going to be something we haven't heard about before. And I think it's something that's already in pre-production, because, like so you, think you said, shock us. They're going to shock us. They're going to shock us. Not even expecting. Yeah, because because there's going to be something that they hadn't announced, something that that, and they're going to come out and say because they need something new. They can't just announce something they've already announced. And like you said, it's big Papa Iger. They need ways to the the to goose the Disney shareholders. They need ways. Big Papa Iger needs a way to come down and say, "Here's what we're doing." And I'm sure when he got frozen, the frozen people back and he got Zootopia people, hey, you guys made a billion dollars. Star Wars was his big thing because he brought Star Wars to Disney. Yes, he did. And he's like under Bob Chapek. Bob, why'd you let Star Wars lay fallow? Why don't we have a Star Wars movie in production? I am sure there's going to be something new that we don't know what it is. And they're going to come out. Not only they're going to announce it, they're going to give you a release date. And they're going to say it starts shooting July. Do so you think they, they got something ready to go? Yeah, and I think it's going to be shooting in England. That's that's traditional, right? Yeah, that's why they're going to announce it. They're going to be yeah. in Europe, right down the street. I'm surprised they don't give tours of Pinewood. I mean, it's a working mm -hmm. studio because they can't. I'm sure they can't. But I think when they come out and they're going to Europe for the first time, this is a big deal. And they're going to come out. They're not going to not make a huge announcement. And look, they're talking about cutting back on other things or whatever. They're going to come out and say, and I would even go further, John, they're going to announce a new trilogy, not necessarily part of the Skywalker saga. Wow. And they're going to announce a new trilogy. They're going to explain everything that it's going to be, and and they're going to commit to dates. You th so not just a movie, but you're you're thinking trilogy. And it and 
it's it's is it going to be the Ryan Johnson one? No. Yeah, I, I no. does anybody no. still think the Ryan? No. Like, does anyone actually believe the Ryan Johnson one is happening? But no, no. it's going to be something. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's going to be a Knights of the Old Republic thing. It's going to be something that fans are going to go bananas for. I I certainly hope so because we've been waiting a long time. Yeah, and 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 look, Bob Iger, his he, he doesn't have time to waste. Like he wants to see his stock price go up. Yeah, he's got two years. Yeah, I he's mean, got it's two like, years to get this done. Why, why why f around? All right, guys. Question is for you. What do you think about this? Star Wars Celebration is coming up. Is it just going to be, hey, you know, oh, you know, we already know Andor Season 2 is coming. We're going to talk a little bit of Andor, which would be great. We already know there's going to be more Mandalorian. We'll talk a little Mandalorian. We already know Skeleton Keys coming. Skeleton Crew, I should say. Or are we going to get a couple of bombs? Are we going to get a new movie announcement? Maybe a new trilogy announcement? Obi-Wan Season 2? I don't know. What do you guys think is going to happen there? Whatever you guys think, jump down to the comment section below and let us know your thoughts all right guys with that down we're going to move on to our main topics here but before we do we want to take a quick second and thank a couple of the sponsors of today's episode of john campus show our friends at manscaped and my mobile service phone provider ryan reynolds's own mint mobile hey guys we want to take a second to thank a sponsor of today's video manscaped Breaking news, Manscaped now sells beard products. That's right, they are once again revolutionizing men's grooming with the brand new Beard Hedger Pro Kit. Now you can finally use Manscaped products to make your drapes match your carpet by going to manscaped.com and using the code CAMPIA for 20% off and free shipping. It all starts with the Beard Hedger. This thing is a juggernaut of fixing faces. First off, this cordless trimmer has a rotary wheel that gives you 20 hair cutting lengths, all with one guard. So no more messy drawers full of extra add-ons. You also get the beard shampoo and conditioner. Because guys, you got to remember that all of your hair is different. Your beard hair is more coarse and easier to damage than the hair on your head. Next, the kid has Manscaped's beard oil. The oil relieves dryness both on the beard and the skin beneath. You then cap it off with the beard balm that shapes, styles, moisturizes, and tames for a sculpted look. The Pro Beard Kit also comes with three special gifts. A beard brush, comb, and scissors to ensure your beard is ready to impress. So get 20% off and free shipping with the code CAMPIA at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use the code CAMPIA. Manscaped Beard Hedger, one stroke, one guard, 20 lengths. We want to take a second to thank a sponsor of this video, Mint Mobile. If saving more and spending less is one of your top goals for 2023, why are you still paying insane amounts of money every month for your phone bill? Switching to Mint Mobile is the easiest way to save this year. As the first company to sell premium wireless service online only, Mint Mobile lets you order from home and save a ton with phone plans starting at just 15 bucks a month. You guys know I made the switch over to Mint Mobile a while ago. The process couldn't have been easier and I can't believe that I am spending less than a third of what I was spending on one of the other major carriers before. By going online only and eliminating the traditional cost of retail, Mint Mobile passes the significant savings on to you. All plans come with unlimited talk, text, and high-speed data delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. Use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and switch easily in minutes with eSIM. To get your new wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month and get the plan shipped to your door free, go to mintmobile.com slash campia that's mintmobile.com slash campia cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash campia 
and thank you to our friends at Manscaped and Mint Mobile, the best mobile service phone provider out there for being sponsors of the John Campia Show. Remember, guys, when you go and check out our sponsors and support our sponsors, you're actually supporting us. So if you go down to the description of this video right near the top, you'll find links and the promo codes for all of the sponsors of today's show. And thank you again to Manscaped and Mint Mobile. All right, guys, with that down, let's get into some main topics here today, shall we? And our first one is this. You know, one of my long-running big complaints about the MCU in the last couple of years, and, and I remember expressing concern about this all the way back in my AMC and Collider days, was that as Marvel, which, you know, used to put out like two films a year and then three films a year, but as we started to see their output picking up more and more and more, I started getting concerned, and I would say this on the show, and people would say I was just being silly, but I started saying, so look, the more stuff you start putting out, you are stretching your quality control. And I remember once, I think it was Schnepp and I were talking, and I said, here's the thing. When you're making three movies, you have your best people working on those three movies. When you make four, you're now hiring a whole bunch of people that before you wouldn't have hired when you just had three. Now you're taking the fourth level people to get, right? And I said, just, I, now that's, that's hyperbole, yes, but it does illustrate the point that the more you start to do, your quality control starts to get out of focus. And you now have people working on projects that before you wouldn't have had working on projects, but your A and B list people are all busy with other projects. Now you got to fill these. And in the, ever since phase four, I have talked a lot on this show about the fact that I just, you can really feel the fact that Kevin Feige is no longer directly in control of the quality control. Like hell with Doctor Strange and Multiverse of Madness, he barely touched that film at all. Like he specifically said, one of the reasons it went on got Sam Raimi is because he wanted a filmmaker that he didn't have to supervise. And I think you're feeling in the MCU that lack of supervision. And it's, I think it has been a problem for the MCU. Now, MCU has still put out some gold, absolutely. But the overall quality, which we'll get into a bit a little bit later, I think has decreased. And you know who else has noticed that? Bob Iger has noticed that. In a new article in The Hollywood Reporter, uh, which is a great article, which I highly recommend you go and check them out. The title of the article is How Much is Too Much Marvel and Star Wars? Disney Rethinks Franchise Output. Basically, the article runs down this, that Big Pop Iger has put out the mandate. We're going to cut things down. We're going to start reining back in how the sheer glut of content we've been putting out, particularly when it comes to the MCU. Number one, because it's super expensive and we're putting a lot of money into things that is not our top product. It's one thing to put in a lot of money for something like an Avengers film that you know is going to be, you know, you've got your best people on it. You know, it's going to have great financial returns and all that kind of stuff. But we're also putting top money into things that we shouldn't be putting top money into all for the sake of meeting a content quota that really should not be the case. And this article goes into that in detail. Now, this is a great part of this article in the Hollywood report in this one paragraph, they say the following as a point of comparison. And this really illustrates it great during its phase four, Marvel Studios released a breakneck 18 projects across theatrical and streaming, four films and five TV shows in 2021 alone, three films and three TV shows in 2022, plus two specials. The studio released just 11 projects 
from 2016 to 2019. Like the, the, the amount of output they have just done has hurt their quality control. Now, Kevin Feige seems to really be on board with this because Feige said the following. He said, Marvel Studios had Kevin Feige echoed the new direction. The pace at which we're putting out the Disney Plus shows will change, Feige told Entertainment Weekly in an interview published this week. Nothing that there will, uh, noting that there will be fewer shows and that they will be more spaced out. Now, consistent with that, we just found out that Echo and there was another one, uh, one of the other shows, Echo and one more. Um, there's has been, Agatha's show. I don't think it was there's, Agatha. I think it was one of the other ones that, that was supposed to come out in 2023 has now been pushed to 2024. So mm -hmm. they're spacing that out a bit. Maybe it was the Agatha one because there, we're definitely getting still Secret Invasion this year and there's one other one we're still getting was this year. Was it Loki? What's that? Was it Loki? Yes, it Loki? Loki. No, Loki is still definitely coming out this year and I think Secret Invasion is definitely coming out this year, but a couple of the other ones have been pushed out. So you can already see they're putting it in motion, spacing these out a little bit and they're going to start reducing the project, the the uh, the content. Now, Chris, you said something earlier that I think really echoes with this. You are more of a quality girl than a quantity girl, mm -hmm. right? And that, I think, is what is written all over this. It's like, listen, we don't want to go back to having one or two projects a year, but this whole thing about having nine projects come out in one year is not sustainable. And it has been one of the culprits of, I'm going to get into a little bit later why I believe the MCU has now lost its magic. We're, and we'll talk about that when we start talking about Ant-Man. But I think that cannot be completely separated from this one thing. One year we put out nine things. How can you keep the quality control at that pace? You can't. So uh, I love hearing this news. I hope they don't go too far the other way. Like I don't want to go back to the day where there's only one or two MCU projects coming out a year, but they've got to start reeling back in. And I love hearing that they are because the MCU, a lot of people don't want to admit it. The MCU has an issue right now. And I think this is not the only one, one of the causes, and I'm glad to see that they're doing something to address it. Anyway, Chris, mm -hmm. you read this article. You're hearing what Iger is saying, that we want reeling costs and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. What do you make of this? I mean, I think creatively it's for the best. I hope this means that we do get more quality products out of this because, I mean, that 18 different bits and bobs coming out is wild. That is a breakneck pace for anyone, even if you're the house of mouse who is used to making tons and tons of content, but specifically for Marvel, that's so many things and things are going to get diluted if you are doing so many different things, right? There's no truth that like no one can actually multitask. Like scientifically, you cannot actually multitask because you can't do things well. And I feel like that's what the MCU has really suffered from this past year, has been trying to do too many things right now. We got to do these streaming things and they have to connect into our TV shows. And we're also going to do this. And it's just gotten very, very muddled and watered down. I would much rather just have a few films come out, maybe one or two shows come out, as long as they were really, really great quality things. You know, the only thing that I'm not looking forward to are the cuts that are going to come with this. Obviously, we're going to see a lot of, you know, creative offices shut down. We're probably going to see less writers on staff, less post-production people. Well, hopefully not post-production people. We need so many of them. They're always behind. But I do think it's also going to be a really big layoff situation for a lot of folks who usually work for Marvel. And that's always disappointing. Rob, you know, we've talked a lot on this show about just this ever-increasing more, 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 especially when, and I'm not putting the, by the way, I'm not putting the blame of this on Bob Chapek. No. But... You know, under the Bob Chapek regime, when he started putting the bankers in charge of how much content gets 
put out and where it goes. And they, 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 we just saw in recent years this growing demand for more and more and more. I don't think it's a coincidence that we've also seen an overall quality lowering of the MCU. Do you think this is the right move or are they kind of scapegoating the volume of production as their excuse or is this a very real problem no i think this is a very real problem and i think the real problem is the creators that they have working on these shows um a lot of them i think are under experienced to be doing the kind of work that is being done on marvel shows for instance who directed captain marvel you don't know. There was two of them. Was yeah, right. Two, that's but that's yeah. what I mean. So the, in their efforts to try and hire, I mean, they look at a James Gunn and they like, okay, he made two three million dollar movies in Super and Slither. They picked him. People were like, oh my god, how can he direct a franchise property? But Kevin Feige knew that James Gunn, because of his background, what he'd written before, his experience in the Hollywood industry, he'd been there for twenty five years. Same with the Russo brothers. Made a call. The Russo brothers. For whatever reason, Kevin Feige gelled with the Russo brothers and their experience at Marvel really worked. The Russo brothers haven't been able to work so well outside of Marvel. But the people that, like, I think that She-Hulk is an example of perhaps the creators that were working on that show might not have been the best for working on that particular show because that was part of this, all the stuff that we got as a, a, a deluge in phase four. And I think what Kevin Feige really has to do more than anything is go back to really vetting the people that he's planning on working with. Sometimes it works. Alan Taylor, who directed Thor The Dark World, great on TV, great Game of Thrones director, all that. Didn't quite so work so much. He was kind of out yeah, of his you can all, You can often do the right thing and have it not work yeah, out. Absolutely. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And he's tried to do that too. So I think that I think Kevin Feige, it's all about quality and the personnel that you hire being right for the what they're doing. And the and, more people you have to hire, the harder that's going to be. 100%. And I think that that is truly what Kevin Feige can go focus on and really vet the people that he's working with and make sure he's got the right people for the right shows and really concentrate on making the best shows and movies he can make. Because that's what we want. I mean, I love the MCU. I haven't loved it as much as I loved it all the way through. I mean, dude, Infinity War and Endgame is the greatest culmination of a franchise maybe ever. And since then, I've liked things, but I haven't. I haven't felt the love tonight. And and how much of that do you think is maybe a, like if you had to put a throw a random percentage on it, how much of that do you think is attributed to the the volume of content they've been trying to crank a, out? A hundred percent. Because like you said, if you're trying to crank out Kevin Feige's just too he's he's been he's too thin. He doesn't have enough. You can't possibly supervise this stuff, especially when it comes to development. They do so much development that I bet he hasn't been able to spend nearly as much development time on these projects because he's actually had to physically produce them or run between edit bays and sets. And I can't even imagine the work ethic that guy must have. It's got to be insane, but he's he's spread too thin. You know, so I saw one of our viewers put in a really interesting comment and I thought about it more. They said, you know, it's in situations like this that you really start to feel the loss of James Gunn because I think Kevin Feige foresaw this coming and that's why back in the day he was positioning james gunn as his right hand guy to kind of look after the galactic stuff with marvel he was going to focus more on this james was going to kind of be his right hand man and then he lost gun and so i i mean again maybe that's a big you, deal maybe it's not you know what else i love i don't know why because i'm a geek i love watching the marvel red carpets you know when they have the premieres they always have the red carpets they oh, yeah. broadcast them online it's been really interesting to see kevin feige and him on the red carpet. 
he doesn't seem like even when he talks about this stuff, he doesn't seem as focused as he used to be. Even when he's trying to be charming and evade certain questions and it's all become so generic now as if, I don't know. I want to see. I want to see Kevin Feige. Maybe he needs to city slicker it and go find his smile. <laughs> go find his smile. All right, guys. Question is for you. What do you think about this? Uh, Disney is going to be pulling back on the sheer amount of content that gets produced over at Marvel. They want to be. They're putting it under the guise of wanting to be more financially responsible. But let's be honest. If they were all bangers and they would, they wouldn't worry about it. Be making them tons of money. The quality is part of it. Do you think this is the right move? Maybe you don't think the sheer volume of stuff they're creating has anything to do with the quality or anything like that. And maybe that's true. Whatever you guys think, jump down to the comment section below and let us know your thoughts. All right, guys. With that down, let's go on to our next main topic here today, shall we? And that is this. You know, one of the smaller but more beloved film franchises within the comic book genre has been Hellboy. Again, never broke the bank, never broke the bank or anything like that. But especially when you had, you know, those first ones coming out there with Ron Perlman as Hellboy, they were a lot of fun, didn't make great money, but they were a lot of fun and people, it has a loyal, loyal, loyal fan base with those things. Then they kind of moved off. Like Guillermo del Toro wanted like his next Hellboy movie to be like a $200 million film. And the Hellboy movies have never made the kind of money that would make up that stuff. So that never happened. Then they tried to reboot it. When was it? Like 2018, 2019, something like that. They tried rebooting it. And they had David Harbour, who, by the way, I thought David Harbour did a very good job stepping into the big red sawed off horns, right? I, I thought he did a very, very good job. But wow, that movie was bad. That movie was bad. So it's like, okay, Hellboy had a great run, sort of, but it's, it's done now. Well, apparently not. Because according to reports, they are working on another reboot of Hellboy. Uh, coming at it. This is what they said this. Uh, Mike Mignola's Hellboy, Mignola's of course the creator of Hellboy, appears to be headed for yet another cinematic reboot. According to an exclusive report from Discussing Film, Millennium Media, who holds the rights to the character, is trying for a mulligan after its 2019 Hellboy reboot film starring David Harbour bombed at the box office and failed to win over the critics. The outlet reports that Millennium is actively developing a new live-action Hellboy film, which has already been written and even found a director. Ghost Rider Spirit of Vengeance co-director Brian Taylor is reportedly attached to helm the latest Hellboy reboot. All right. I'm going to give a huge disclaimer on this, and I'll get to my disclaimer in a second. When I first read the headline that they're going to try rebooting Hellboy again, I had very, very mixed feelings. Because on one hand, Hellboy's a great character. Hellboy should have a, not not a billion dollar franchise, but should have an active, successful film franchise going. Because he's a great character that's very unique amongst all the comic book characters going on. The other half of my brain, though, was you just tried this, and man, it didn't work. Maybe you just take that one on the chin and you move on. Now, my mind changed, though, as I continue reading and I saw that Brian Taylor was going to direct it. Now, here, here's the big, big disclaimer. Brian Taylor is a friend of mine. All right. So uh, obviously, big, huge disclaimer that I have 
personal that there is actually that might have been when he was uh, one of the guests on my uh, Comic Con panel. He was he was one of our special guests at uh, at one of my Masters of the Web Comic Con panel. I think this is that was when they were doing uh, the Jason Statham Crank movies, which you know I am I adore the Jason Statham Crank movies, which him and his friend Mark Neveldeen both directed, and I know the mind of Brian Taylor, which this guy is bonkers, and. When I saw that his name was attached to this, <laughs> I thought, okay, in principle, I think trying to do another Hellboy reboot is a bad idea. Put Brian Taylor on that? Okay, that could be really, really fun. So again, full disclaimer, I know the guy, he's a friend of mine, so clearly, full admission, I have bias. Absolutely, I do. But I am also telling you the truth when I think about the idea of Brian doing a Hellboy movie, I, I get kind of excited about seeing what that could be. Now, will it bring out an audience? I have no idea. I mean, the the taste of the last Hellboy movie, the bad taste is still in a lot of people's mouths. So I do not know if that's something it can recover from, even if Brian's directing it. So I, I don't know. But I got to admit, I want to see this. So anyway, Rob, you are not nearly as biased as me in this sort of thing. So you read this report. What did you think about Look, it? Uh, full disclosure, I've got hardcover editions, uh, beautiful hardcover editions of the Hellboy, Hellboy comics. I love Hellboy. I Even Guillermo del Toro's Hellboys, which I really appreciated how they were mounted in the imagination, really beautifully done, didn't fulfill me as much as the Mignola's comics do. Um, but I love the character. And I think that, you know, Neil Marshall, who directed the last Hellboy with David Harbour, there you go, um, uh, he had to put up with a lot. He wasn't getting along with his producer who was trying to direct the movie. It was a, it was a, it was a, a really bad situation, a situation that no filmmaker wants to, to deal with. And the fact they got finished at all. But I do think Hellboy, the reason Guillermo del Toro couldn't, you know, do a third one is because if you read the articles when he talks about it, how much it would cost. Yeah. Uh, you can't make a $150 million Hellboy movie with the kind of returns it gets. But you have a low-budget film director or somebody that makes the crank movies has an idea, has a vision, you could make something pretty good. And I think that this could be a very viable franchise because I think in theory, people love the idea of Hellboy. Because Hellboy's a great character. So is his great supporting cast. And what you need is you need, I mean, I can't imagine being a filmmaker fighting with your producer about what the vision for the film was. That's what happened on the last Hellboy. But no one's going to do that to your friend. He's going to be like, no, 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 we're going to do it this way. And like you said, he's bonkers. The great thing about directors who are bonkers is you can't get in their way. If they know what they're doing, <laughs> people try and get in their way, but it doesn't work out. And if he if he has a vision and knows what he wants and he can stay under Millennium's budget constraints, maybe he can do something great. Chris, you heard about uh, this. Uh, look, even I'm a friend of the guy they got directing, and even I am like, can you do another Hellboy right now? I, I don't know. What do you think about I this? I mean, but Brian created Happy, which was so I good. I loved Happy. I'm so <gasps> glad you brought that up. I'm yes, so he also directed mad Happy. Yep. more people didn't watch it. It was so great. Crank is super fun. Wildly violent. I think it could be a really, really cool fit because I, I like Rob, love Hellboy. And I think that he deserves his moment in the sun. I love that demon so much. And there's so many good stories that you can pull from, right? I mean... Guillermo del Toro did some beautiful artistic things with it that I think were really, really fun. Told the origin story well. David Harbour was a fantastic Hellboy. If you haven't watched his architect, uh, Architectural Digest video where he shows his portrait of himself as it, <laughs> <laughs> you're missing out, my friend. Go watch that. 
But I think Brian could do something really cool and maybe focus on one of the short stories instead, like The Corpse, oh, where it's yeah. just him like trekking around 1958 Ireland dealing with a fae and a kidnapping or, you know, do something with Three Wishes or something like that. There's so many cool stories that don't necessarily focus on, you know, how Hellboy came to be. It's kind of like the Spider-Man situation. We know about this. We know that he's a demon who works for this organization, fights Nazis, et cetera, et cetera. We can play with a lot of the other stuff that happens. And there's really cool stories to be told especially if you're willing to get weird and violent. I'm so glad you brought up Happy. I, I'm, I'm, I'm ashamed I didn't bring that up. It's yet. so good. If you guys didn't haven't seen Happy, you should totally check out Brian's thing, Happy. I, it's, it's really quite good. Anyway, guys, look, you have to take anything I say on this matter with a giant grain of salt because I've, I've, I've got some bias in this, obviously. But as my biased opinion is, I think him doing, I think Brian Taylor doing a Hellboy thing could be really quite fun. Whatever you guys think about this, jump on down to the comment section below and let us know your thoughts. All right, with that down, let's get into our top main topic here today, shall we? And that one is this. Of course, Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania, the newest installment of the MCU, the one they've been saying is an Avengers level event kind of film is now out in theaters. Uh, a bunch of uh, people have seen it in, you know, in the past week or so. Ray and I went to go see it last night. And you guys know that Ant-Man is actually my second favorite sub-franchise in the MCU. My favorite is Captain America. My next favorite is Ant-Man. I love Ant-Man. And I love what Peyton Reed has done with this franchise. I love Paul Rudd in the role of this franchise. And been very, very excited to see Jonathan Majors, who's kind of ruling the world right now. Jonathan Majors in this. And to see is Kang, and we're going to introduce, because we know Kang Dynasty is coming, Avengers Kang Dynasty is coming, all that kind of stuff. So, this is a non-spoiler review. Uh, we will be doing an open spoiler review on Monday, uh, but uh, because on Sunday, which is when I would normally do an open spoiler review, we have our live show that we're doing in Burbank with me, Greg Alba, and, and Christian Harloff. And hey, can't wait to see you guys who are coming, for those of you who bought tickets. Um, here's my basic feelings on it. Kang is fantastic. The, all the hype that people gave Jonathan Majors playing the role of Kang was fully deserved. He was a fantastic character. Loved him. He truly was menacing. You did feel the, like, I love it when a villain's out there and you feel like, how the hell are they going to overcome this, right? So I, I loved him in that. The movie definitely had the moments of that Ant-Man humor that I love. I love the Paul Rudd Ant-Man humor. Uh, for whatever reason, just the way his character is, it makes me smile. It makes me laugh. I really enjoy that a lot. Cassie, I was telling Rob before the show started, I really thought going into the movie, even though I had high hopes, that Cassie was going to be a character that really annoyed me. All because of one shot in the trailer. This is not rational, but it, it did. One shot in the trailer of her walking out of a prison cell with this look on her face. I was like, oh, I get it. She's going to be the, you know, the hard-edged, emo, gothy, you know, without dressing gothy kind of girl. She's going to be about whatever, kind of whatever, and she's just going to be annoying. You know what? I really liked the Cassie character. I, I By the end of it, I actually really, really did like her character a lot. I love, you know, I think my favorite episode of the What If Animated series was the one that clearly showed that the most dangerous individual in the MCU is actually Hank Pym. I love that episode. And for me, this movie, I won't go into why. It's again, Hank Pym is probably the most dangerous guy in the MCU. And I, I, I love that they did that. I won't go into details on why. Some of the action was pretty good. All that kind of stuff. 
That's me trying to be positive. I did not like this movie. I didn't hate it because of all those, the good positive things I just mentioned. I did not hate this movie. I don't think it is a definitively bad film, but for my second favorite sub-series in the, in the MCU franchise, I, I really did walk out quite disappointed. It's not an Ant-Man movie um, in, in, either, in either spirit or by the literal definition. See, you, you can be an Ant-Man movie, even if Paul Rudd isn't as front and center as you think he would be, it can still truly be an Ant-Man movie if it is in spirit. It's not an Ant-Man movie in spirit or literally. And that's fine. Okay, put that aside. Judge the movie on its own merits regardless. I still found on its own merits, it just didn't work. There were, I am not accustomed to going, oh my God, I can't look at this in a Marvel film. I had several big moments. Again, we're no spoilers here, so I'm not going to go into the details on which. I hated MODOK. I thought I was going to really like MODOK. I really did. I thought I, because I heard some people describing him and he is exactly like some of the reviewers have described. And so I thought from the description, I would really actually quite get a kick out of MODOK. I hated MODOK. Hated MODOK. Uh, I, I wish I didn't. There are a couple of actors who pop up in this film who there was no reason for them to be in this film. <laughs> there are entire scenes of this movie that had absolutely no function in the movie whatsoever. And oh my God, there is a plot hole in this movie that once it was introduced, and I won't say what it was, we will talk about it in the, in, in the open spoiler discussion. There's a plot hole in this movie that is so huge that I could never get, like once they introduced it, I'm, I was like, they introduced this thing in, in the movie and I'm like, well, wait a minute. If that's that, how does it at all make any sense of this? And I just, it just ate away at my brain the entire time I was watching the movie. And I was kind of half expecting by the end of the movie, they would explain why maybe it's not such a huge plot hole, but they never did. And then the movie itself introduces more plot holes, not just with this movie, but of the whole timeline concept that Marvel has running right now, which you and I talked about beforehand, but we can't talk about it on this thing in general. So not a definitively bad film, but at the end of the day, not enjoyable. And, and I'm not going to go back to watch this again. Now, this brings up for me something that I said in my out-of-theater review and reaction. And I've come to this conclusion. The MCU has lost its magic. I'm not saying the MCU sucks. I'm not saying the MCU is bad now. I'm not saying the MCU can't put out and does not still every once in a while put out something great. But you see, when I say that the MCU has now lost its magic, what I mean is where every studio will put out good movies and bad movies and you go into a film and you hope for the best and maybe you get something great, maybe sometimes you don't, that's the movie business. Marvel, though, had a magic where every time for years that I would go into a movie theater or an MCU project, I just knew it was going to be fantastic and I would absolutely, absolutely love it. Like there's a stretch from 2014 to 2018, hell, 2019, where it was like, banger after banger after banger after banger. You go in, you just knew it was going to be great. Let's go over to the classroom for a second here. So like the MCU magic is gone because again, like from 20, let's look at this rundown from 2014 
all the way up to Infinity War in 2018. Hell, we could have even included 2019 in this. What do we got? Captain America Winter Soldier. Awesome. Guardians of the Galaxy was next. Awesome. Avengers Age of Ultron. Really good, but as the years have gone on and I've watched it more and more, I now truly believe Age of Ultron is also awesome. First Ant-Man movie. Awesome. Captain America Civil War. Awesome. Doctor Strange. Awesome. Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. Really good. I didn't think as good as the first one, but still really, really good. Spider-Man Homecoming. Awesome. Thor Ragnarok. Awesome. Black Panther. Awesome. Avengers Infinity War. Awesome. It was hit after hit after hit. It had a magic that no other studio had. Warner Brothers couldn't do this. Paramount couldn't do it. Universal couldn't do it. Nobody else could do it. But with the MCU for year after year after year after year, every single time we went into the theater, they did the unthinkable because making one good movie is nearly impossible. And they were, I can bring up that list again. They were, this is all in a row. Banger after banger after banger after banger after banger. All right. So that's what I mean when I say that it had this magic. It had something to it that you're fine even if you don't have it, but they had something to it where every single time they went in there, they were killing it. You know what's interesting about that list? What's that? Can you put that list up again? So uh, Captain America, the Winter Soldier, you had Hydra, villain. You saw uh, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. You had um, Ronan the Accuser. Ultron, Ant-Man, you had Yellow Jacket, Jacket. who comes back, whatever. Uh, Captain America, (laughs) Civil War, you had one another. Doctor Strange, you have Dormammu. Guardians of the Galaxy, Volume 2, you had Ego. Spider-Man Homecoming, you had um, Vulture. Vulture. Thor Ragnarok, you had Hela. Black Panther, you had... Killmonger. um, None of those people came back. Yeah. They were not part of some larger... uh, Yes, they played into... But they were movies unto themselves. They they were not all leading to some other thing, and yet yet they were inter- they were still interconnected to the larger Infinity War. But the story that was being told was confined to those movies. Uh, you know, as much as I love Ultron, there's been no indication Ultron's coming back other than in What If, Infinity Ultron. Those movies worked on their own, and they worked as part of the larger yeah, tapestry of they the did MCU. Both. It wasn't either or. They were able to do both. They were able to do both. And I think one of the big mistakes of what we're seeing now is, like, I would love to have seen, in the case of Kang, like I was telling you early on, watching this movie. Well, before I, because I want to hear your review of this, but before we get into it, I want to finish this. Okay. Because this list. I just want to say that that list that you pointed out is unique. Yeah. And that that's a big change in what's going on now. And see all these movies? This is in a four to five year span. That, like... These movies were, were not all dropped in one, one year. All these movies were in like a five-year span. Okay. Now let's just go over the last year and a half. All right? Let's, uh, are we able to get the classroom back up? Now let's look just, uh, just the last year and a half. Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. I, I like it. Like, make no mistake. I like it. Yeah, I did enjoy it. But... Loved it, loved it, loved it, loved it. Nope. I, I mean, I, I liked it. It was good. It was like any other studio that had a good movie. Thor, Love and Thunder? I mean, I still enjoyed it. I liked it, but it's incredibly divisive and a huge step down from Thor Ragnarok. Black Panther, Wakanda Forever? I liked it, but I, I did not, I do not think it's a great movie. And actually, the more I think about it, the more problems I have with it. 
Hawkeye, I just didn't like. Moon Knight, I ended up being disappointed in. Ms. Marvel, the one thing on this list I can go, I loved that. She-Hulk was a big swing and a miss. And then Ant-Man 3 now, which, again, I don't think is a bad movie. Again, you look at this list, right? This is the last, by the way, all this is just within a year up. All this, a five-year span. All this, all within about a year and a half. But as you go down this list, up here, you're like, killer, 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 killer. It had that magic where everything they were putting out was crushing it. Now, I'm lucky if I like it. Nothing on this list, aside from Ms. Marvel, is something that I went to and then came out of and went, wow, that was awesome. Now, if you go back a little bit further from that, like you, you got your Shang-Chi, yes, I, I, that was awesome. You got your WandaVision, best thing Disney Plus has put out, love it. But you look at this, again, you compare those two lists. They had the magic every single time. It was a remarkable experience going to the movie theater. And now, today, it's just another movie studio. Today now, over the past eight, nine projects, now I'm going in like any other movie, just crossing my fingers, well, I hope I like this one. That was never the case with the MCU before. So when I say that the MCU has lost its magic, that's not me saying that everything they put out is crap, because there's a number of things on this list I still like, but that magic they had for so many years of everything had that Kevin Feige pixie dust on something that it just it just had that X factor every single time that we absolutely loved it. And they have not been able to do that lately. And that goes back, Rob, I think, to the previous discussion we had about how much crap they're trying to put out now. Anyway, uh, Chris, you haven't had a chance to see this movie yet, so we won't go no. to you for your review on no. this quite I yet. I Rob, I work. Yeah, <laughs> Rob, you did see Ant-Man uh, and the Wasp, Quantumania. What did you think about the movie? Okay, here, I have to say at first... Everything in it, I love. It's right up my alley. Big, big sci-fi. I mean, as people said, it's a big sci-fi movie. A lot of science fiction concepts that I loved. But here's what I... And I, I, I loved everybody in it. I loved the portrayal of everything. I loved the design. Like you, I wasn't so keen on MODOK. But here's the thing. It just didn't... I couldn't wrap my head around Scott Lang and Ant-Man... I understand the quantum realm. He belongs there, theoretically. But I couldn't, after coming off those two Ant-Man movies, it's so different. And what I enjoyed about Paul Rudd as Ant-Man and interacting with all these characters, there was a charm in both of those movies, both Ant-Man movies. You know, whether he's he's expanding a children's toy in the middle of a, high, a, free, uh, a chase through San Francisco or the climax of Ant-Man 1, none of that charm was in this movie. And I, I felt like I was watching a character that was miscast in his own plot, if that makes any sense. I like that saying. <laughs> a mean, character who is miscast in his own plot. It, that's it's what I, I really believe that that was true. And I get all this. I understand. I, by the way, I love who's playing Cassie. I saw her on the red carpet. I, I thought she was great. And Jonathan, how how did they get your wife in, in this movie, by the way? <laughs> well, I, she, she, for those of you who don't know, you have not, for those of you who have not met Jonathan Boyko's wife, and and his daughter, like an incredible similarity between the, the, the two women in the Boyko family there. Well, and this this movie, it just felt like Ant-Man has been not dealing with world ending threats and all this stuff. And it just felt like he was out of place. 
And when I was watching this movie, Jonathan Majors is so good in it. I I really think that it would have been really interesting to have seen a they've never made a villain focused film. Like just a movie called Kang the Conqueror and and shown where Kang came from. And I know that he's we've now seen him, you know, he who remains and now we've seen Kang maybe different whatever. And 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 so we've seen Kang and he's great. But watching all this stuff, I just I just didn't buy into it. I wanted to buy into it, but I really had a hard time. I liked everything that was there. I was entertained. I'm a little tired of all of the virtual. I wish there was a little bit more verisimilitude in the quantum realm. Oh, dude, I'll tell you what. I just, I just felt that I was watching them on the volume state. You could just feel it. The yeah, whole yeah time. you could feel I it. Never the did believe they weren't on the volume. No, and and I like combine real locations with craziness. Like, you know, I remember one of the things. It's not a great movie, but Annihilation. Like yeah. the movie, not when you see the shimmer in Annihilation. I mean, clearly there there was real landscapes with that shimmer, and I understand why they didn't go. But I'm I felt like I was looking at a, a '70s album cover come to life, you know, a prog rock record like Yes songs or something, and that mm-hmm. was all cool. But even this picture. Well, I said like month like weeks ago or months ago, like I don't believe there's anything on the other side of that mountain there, that hill. No, there's not. Yeah, no, you just feel it. They're in the volume with a, with some rock prosthetics in front of it. Yeah, it felt like a TV show to me. Like, in a way, I hate to say this, but I love Land of the Lost, but it was kind of a Land of the Lost vibe. You know, you're looking at things like nothing is, there's not one shred of reality in any of this. And that was that was another thing that that I, I just didn't, I didn't buy into the whole movie. And I didn't buy into the whole movie because I felt that Ant-Man was miscast in his own film. And listen, I... Even though that doesn't make sense to say. Tell me if you agree with this. Like, even though I came out disappointed in the film, right? I, again, I don't think it's horrible. I, I don't hate no. it. But I I see there are people out there who really like it, right? They're, the, the, audi- the critics are split. Like, half of them yeah. like it, half of them don't. I think the audience ratings are going to be pretty solid. This. Like, for people who are coming out liking it, I could see why you would come out liking this. Like, I do. Like, I can totally see why and why it will appeal to, to certain people. I, I just... I wish it did for me. And again, to me, it speaks to that larger issue that I just feel like Marvel has lost their magic. I also think, like, when I was watching Loki, Loki was the first time that I felt that the Marvel Cinematic Universe was pushed too far into the fantastic, if that makes any sense. Because even though you're watching all of these other movies with all their craziness, I still felt that there was some grounding to Earth. Like, like if you have aliens come to Earth and battle in New York, they're still battling in New York. You know, you go to Titan in Infinity War. Okay, you've gone to a planet. I get that. I, I can go to an alien world. But it, it one of the great joys of the Marvel Cinematic Universe is they've always made you, you believe that those characters, you believe that Tony Stark could live in Malibu. You believe that. You watch Iron Man 1, it's like, that dude's probably out in Malibu. You know, I've been to Malibu. I've gone to Malibu for 30 years. He could live there. I didn't believe what I was watching was real yeah and i think going too far and then it pushed like with loki i that was the first time i felt that they went too far dude i too far i don't think the box office in this film is going to be strong at all i think it's going to have i do think it's going to probably hit that 95 to 100 million dollar opening weekend but i don't think it's going to have legs i don't think a lot of average film goers are going to be rushing out to tell their cousins or their moms or their whatever that you got to run out and see. I, I just, I, I don't know. We'll see, I hope I'm wrong. I hope I'm wrong. But I'll tell you what. See, magic is an interesting thing. 
You can lose it quick, but you can get it back quick. Guardians 3 is coming. And I got a lot of faith in that movie. I got a lot of faith. The Marvels is coming. I have a lot of faith in that movie. So the magic can go, but the magic can come back. And I'm going to keep my fingers crossed for it as we head into that. Anyway, guys, question is for you. Did you have a chance this weekend to see Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania? Or not this weekend, but it just opened yesterday. But if you have, what did you think? I think there are going to be a lot of people that really do like this movie. And I think that's awesome. All film is subjective. The art hits us in different ways. I wish it hit me in a better way. But again, when I go over those lists about, here's how Marvel used to do it. And here's what we're getting lately where it's like, maybe we'll like, I don't know. How do you guys feel about that? Whatever you guys think, jump down to the comment section below and let us know your thoughts. All right, guys, with that down, we are now gonna open up the Super Chats and take your live comments and questions. I wanna let you guys do know though, do not ask any spoiler questions about Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania, okay? If we, if Jonathan notices any questions that happen to contain a spoiler about Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania, we're just gonna skip right over it, so please don't do that. But if you got anything else, thought, theories, opinions, or questions you wanna talk about, Go ahead and fire those in now. We only leave the Super Chats open for just a couple of minutes, so do so quickly. Now, before we get to those comments and questions that you guys are sending in, we want to take another second to thank a couple more sponsors of today's episode of The John Campus Show, our friends at ExpressVPN and BetterHelp. Guys, we want to take a second to thank a sponsor of this video, ExpressVPN. You've heard me talk about how important it is to have a VPN to protect your online privacy, but choosing a VPN you trust is equally as important. Now, I like to do research on my sponsors, and I only recommend brands to my listeners that I believe in, and I can say with full confidence that ExpressVPN is the best VPN on the market, and here's why. Number one, ExpressVPN doesn't log your activity online. Lots of cheap or free VPNs make money by selling your data to advertisers, but ExpressVPN doesn't do this. They even developed a technology, Trusted Server, that makes their VPN servers incapable of storing any data at all. Number two, speed. ExpressVPN now uses Lightway, a new VPN protocol they engineered to make user speeds faster than ever. ExpressVPN is always blazing fast and lets me stream videos in HD quality with zero buffering. The last thing that really sets ExpressVPN apart is how easy it is to use. You don't need any technical skills to get set up. Just fire up the app and tap one button to connect. That's it. Even your grandparents could do it. And it's not just me saying this. CNET, Business Insider, The Verge, and many other tech journals rate ExpressVPN the number one VPN in the world. So protect yourself with a VPN that I use and trust. Use my link, expressvpn.com slash campia today and get an extra three months free on a one-year package. Visit expressvpn.com slash campia to learn more. Guys, we want to take a second to thank a sponsor of this video, Better help. When you're at your best, you can do great things, but sometimes life gets you bogged down and you may feel overwhelmed or like you're not showing up in the way that you know you can. Working with a therapist can help you get closer to the best version of you because when you're feeling at your best, the challenges that life throws at you don't disappear, but you're more prepared to take on those challenges. Guys, you know I've been saying for a long time that we need to start prioritizing our mental health as much as we do our physical health. When we dedicate ourselves to going to the gym and looking after ourselves, we we see that as a great step forward for us physically. Well, it's time for us to start taking care of ourselves mentally as well. So if you're feeling it's time to give therapy a try, BetterHelp is a great option. It's convenient, 
flexible, affordable, and entirely online. All you have to do is fill out a brief questionnaire and get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. So if you want to live a more empowered life, therapy can get you there. Visit betterhelp.com slash campia today and get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash campia. And thank you again to our friends at ExpressVPN and BetterHelp for sponsoring this episode of the John Campia Show. All right, guys, with that down, let's get over to your questions, shall we? Chris, what do we got up here first? From Amin, one of two, you've mentioned multiple times how you don't like seeing the same director stay on the same franchise for too long. I think that's one of the reasons why Ant-Man disappointed and why I'm also considered... Down here. Uh, for Guardians 3. Haven't loved the trailers, and the film just seems like the same thing again. Not really looking forward to it, disliked Volume 2, and I'm worried Volume 3 will be just another meh, okay film. I mean, no, my concern, like, take an example like Christopher Nolan on the Batman, or on, the, on the, his Batman films, right? See, that was perfect, because he would do a Batman film, then he would go do something else, do another movie, whether it was Inception or something like that, then he would do another Batman film, then he'd go off and do another film, then he'd do another Batman film, right? James Gunn on Guardians obviously has been a very busy boy. He hasn't just been on one character. He has been like working on a lot of different stuff. So I think that works in his favor too. That's great. With Peyton Reed, I mean, he's been keeping busy too. He directed one of the best episodes of Mandalorian. So, and, and there's been like time in between all these Ant-Man films. So he's been working on some television stuff as well. So yeah, I like with Sam Raimi, that was a great example of, I think, uh, Spider-Man 3 really showed the that he was getting creatively tired, I think, at that point. Because we started to see a lot of the same things in all three of the movies. Like, in every single one of the Spider-Man movies, hey, here's an idea. Mary Jane gets kidnapped by the bad guy and is dangled from a high place as a trap for Spider-Man. Which of the three Spider-Man movies was that? Well, the answer was all of them. and It happened in all of them. So, with James Gunn, I'm not worried about it because he's kind of more following the Christopher Nolan pattern of it than anything else. All right, what's next? From Suthius, I don't think Quantum Medium is well-written. I personally wouldn't want Loveness to write another MCU project. Gets me a little worried for King Dynasty. Here's the thing, though. I never get... Look, if my first movie that I came across at Steven Spielberg was The Horrible Terminal, oh. then I'd be, well, don't let that Steven Spielberg direct anything again. <laughs> look, ev everybody has bad days at the office, right? I... I only get really concerned when I start seeing a big list developing of, well, they did that and that and that and that. Like, that's when I start to get worried. Listen, <sighs> Ray is not approving of my uh, terminal example, but I, I, I never, what I also find too is, oh my God, we as movie fans are very, what have you done for me lately? Like, I, like the Ryan Johnson thing is a great example. Ryan Johnson had just made nothing but great cinema. And then he put out a Star Wars movie that some people didn't like. And his single was, I'm never watching anything Ryan Johnson does again. Come on. Come on. Then Knives Out came out. <laughs> no, but even then, no, I remember going to watch it because you did watch it. Anyway, it, it just, we, we tend to do that. And by the way, we're all, I'm not pointing my finger at anybody. We all, this, we as movie fans do that. We really do. We do what was the thing that happened. We have very, very short memories. What I, like, it, and it's true the opposite. Like somebody does one really good thing. We're like, they are the greatest thing ever. Let them direct everything, right? That's what we do. I'm guilty of it. You're guilty of it. We're all guilty of it. But I, I wouldn't get too concerned about it yet. I agree Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania is not a really well-written film. But I'm going to tell, tell you what else. If they presented him, here's our story. Go and write it now. 
that ain't an easy one to write. I, I, no. I honestly, with the, with the conceit of what this film is, I don't know how a writer sits down and this wasn't an easy one to do. This was not an easy one to do. So I'm not going to hold it too much against him for now. So we'll see, though. All right, what's next? From uh, Jai, one of two, who is the creative mastermind at HBO when it comes to shows? I never hear this person mentioned like Feige. HBO always seems to have highly... Highly acclaimed TV shows almost every year. Game of Thrones, House of the Dragon, The Wire, The Last of Us, The Sopranos, Watchmen, to name a few. How have they maintained this level of consistency? Um, let's also not forget HBO is the one that put out Velma. <laughs> but, but by the way, Velma is killing it for them for ratings. I, anyway, um, it's different, right? They don't, HBO Max as a whole thing does not have a Kevin Feige. What they do have is a really good system in place of working with just the best people and being very discerning about what to green light. They are a much bigger enterprise than the MCU is in terms of like sheer volume of stuff that they do. So they just have a really good process, really high standards, and they're very, very picky about what they think is going to be artistically excellent and will hit with their audience. They just have a, it's just really high standards. Now, again, that means every once in a while, no matter, you can be the best in the world and HBO is the best in the world, but you're still every once in a while, Steven Spielberg is the greatest director of all time. He still made the terminal, right? HBO still put out Velma. I mean, that's going to happen now and again but it's way less frequently than it does with everybody else. And that's why they are the best at what they do. All right, what's next? From Stubble McShave, I just hope that it was Bruce's decision to make those last movies and not an agent who exploited him in his condition for another 10%. Yeah, listen, that that was, uh, in a lot of the, the trade articles, there was some mentioning of that, that maybe, you know, Bruce was looked at as a cash cow and just like, oh, no, you're good, you're good. You can keep, get on it, get People in do. there. Get back in there, you can do it. And- Look, I don't know if that's the case. If it was, there's a special place in hell for people like that. Um, but yeah, but listen, because look, sometimes a fighter in a corner, if they're really a fighter, is going to say, no, 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 I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. But it's up to their trainer to recognize, kid, you got the heart, but you're not good. You, you, We need to throw in the towel now. You can't go back out there now. Like, I know you think you're good. You got the heart you want to go. You need to have people in your corner. And I, this is true in every level and aspect of life. You need to have people in your corner that can be honest with you and tell you, it's like, look, I know you feel like you can keep going right now. I know you feel like you can push through this, whatever this is in your life. But I'm here to tell you, you need to sit down. And and I, I wish maybe, and again, let's not pretend like we know all the details. We don't. But there's a part of me that wishes that maybe somebody had done that for Bruce a little bit earlier. But again, look, we're saying that in the dark. We don't really know what the real situation was. All right, what's next? From Vess, a.k.a. Mr. No Days Off, did you see the news that Macaulay Culkin is coming back to do another Home Alone movie? Thanks for bringing on the filthy. Is that real? Yeah. I, I, it is? No, I don't know. <laughs> I just, uh, I, it wouldn't I surprise check. me with the way IPs are being used. Why not? You know, maybe he's the one that has goes somewhere and his kids. Well, you know, he's going to have a kid. Or maybe or maybe his kids go away to camp or something and leave him alone. Like his wife <laughs> takes the kids and goes somewhere. Me, it's not Home Alone. It's Leave Me Alone. Yeah. The, it's not Home Alone. It's Leave Me Alone. The what are you gonna... exclusive is from Giant Freaking Robot. Oh. So. Well, it's a maybe. 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 All right. Well, that'd be interesting. All right. There's certain things you could do with that. All right. What's next? 
From SOMD Picker, fans love a good new villain with good amount of screen time and or an origin story. We haven't gotten this lately. Yeah, what was the last really great villain we had? Joker. Yeah. Because, I mean, like, Black Adam's villain wasn't great. Um, Danny. Was, Loki. What's that? Thanos. Danny. Yeah. I would Danny say Namor. From, Namor was for a all mankind. For all mankind. <laughs> no, we're talking comic book films and comic book films. Who was the last really great villain? Like, was it Thanos? He was Namor pretty great. Was good. Is that the last really great one we've had? <laughs> you I mean, didn't love Namor? Uh, yeah, yeah. No, I like Namor. Namor was good. Yeah. Namor. I almost don't feel like he's a villain, though. I mean, I know. He's a foil to what's yeah, going on. Yeah, he is a foil for yeah. sure. Antagonist. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. All right, Killmonger, what's next? Danny. You know? Killmonger was, <laughs> was yeah. great. Um, from The Fault in Our Death Stars, I rewatched Ant Man 1 and 2 to prep for Ant Man 3. Nobody has said this yet, but I miss the little girl as young Cassie Lang. She's so adorable. Oh, yeah. She told she's me was great. so adorable. She's going to be in the Are You There, God? It's Me, Margaret movie. Is she? Yeah, she's Margaret. I'm excited. Because how will it? I mean, I why did they make this? Did we ever talk about why they made the switch from? Because well, there was the time jump five years. Yeah. And, but then, so we had the young girl. We had the girl that he sees when he comes back. I'm just wondering how many years world. have passed. Like, how old is she now? She's now supposed to be like 17, 18, something like that, right? Okay, yeah. So maybe she, that girl's still too young? Yeah. Okay, that makes sense then. But the girl who then is the aged up daughter that he meets when he gets saved by the rat. Yeah, they switched they her out that too. Yeah, that's as well. not even a... Yeah, I wonder why they did that. I don't know. What, what, the girl who, I don't know her name, sorry, but the girl who plays Cassie, though, she is she is great. She's Catherine great. Newton. She's really and I, I have to say, seeing Catherine her on the Newman. red carpet, what a delightful human being she seems. Oh, and I forgot to mention, in my list of good things about Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania, post-credit scenes. I I, I, yeah. I quite like the post-credit scenes. They were good. Yep. Well, one of them in particular, pretty neat. Yes, yes, indeed. Pretty neat. All right, what's next? From Jim One, another issue from having too many MCU projects, there's now less time to build anticipation. The casual audience also can't keep up and are tapping out. Listen, one of the big issues that I pointed out before was the other than great quality movies, other than that, the number one thing that I think is responsible for the MCU becoming the biggest thing in movies is that every single movie was a potential entry point for anybody. You could tell any friend, you could have been on the 12th MCU film. They go, well, do I have to go back and watch these things first? Nope. You can just jump on right now and you're not going to feel lost. You're going to be totally good. And for like 20 plus movies, I, again, I told you, a friend of mine, the first movie they watched was either Infinity War or Endgame, and they didn't feel lost at all because Kevin Feige always made sure that while you might not catch all the nuances, you will not feel lost and you can jump on this train anytime you want and you'll be good. That has started to change, right? That has started to change with like, just with Doctor Strange, the Multiverse of Madness. If you didn't watch WandaVision, you're going, what the hell is going on here? Why is Wanda like this? Blah. The Kang stuff is going to be getting more interconnected and I, I don't know also you know this is kind of an odd indicator but the meme ability of these movies if you go back one of my one something popped up in my feed last week was one of those civil war memes remember when they had steve rogers talking to somebody and they were saying things to each other and yeah. then the last frame was civil war those were funny oh yeah mac pc civil yeah, war. yeah i mean yeah. and then the in it with uh winter soldier the hail hydra memes oh, yeah, that would come great. up when was the last time you saw a marvel meme for a new marvel movie 
I, uh, there were a couple for Dr. Strange's Multiverse of Madness with Wanda going, that doesn't seem fair. Well, like, yeah, I, I, mean, okay, I saw a couple of yeah, those. Okay, those were but, pretty good. But I mean, the thing about it is, is they don't, those movies penetrated the cultural zeitgeist. And now Marvel movies aren't so much that. They've sort of become, oh, we expect them. By the way, sorry, I, I got to I gotta go to this. Um, Camelo Smith, who is one of our channel members. Thank you, Camelo, for being one of our channel members. We were just talking about what was like the last great film, Wen Wu. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there, that's it. So, yes, Canelo, you win. Wen Wu was the last great villain we had. All Tony right. Long. What's My next? Man. From Seconds from Disaster, John coming out of Quantumania. You killed the magic. You don't <laughs> fuck with the magic, Bob. Okay, so for those of you who did not see it, you know what he's talking about? No, but those I feel like I didn't committed. See it, there's this great thing that I don't know who made it where it's a it's a YouTube sketch where they're two different actors. Uh, Bob Iger is driving Bob Chapek oh, yeah. out into the desert. And then he puts him on his knees on the thing and they bring out a TV. The boss wants to talk to you. And it's Mickey Mouse. He goes, you killed the magic, Bob. Oh, I you can don't take that fuck again. with the magic. It is so good. It's such oh, a Oh, you got to watch it. You got to watch it. It's so it's really delightful. Good. All right. What's next? From A. Marcellus, one of two. The MCU needs to reevaluate all their directors and writers and how they're executing these stories. Casuals and hardcore comic fans are both dropping out. Do, 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 do. Also, Marvel needs to realize that not every character deserves to have a TV show or movie. James Gunn made the Unknown Guardians work, but that won't happen for every character. It's true. Now, look, I, I don't... Look, if you're Marvel that has been doing this for 15 years plus, you've had 30 plus movies, you have to start bringing in some of the more obscure characters if you want to keep the franchise vibrant and going. Yeah, I understand that. The problem, again, is if I make... Look... I have the best of the best working on my show, right? I have the best of the best working on my show. Chris Carr is one of the best of the best. Oh, facts. I, I agree. Now, were I to make a second show, let's say you know, we got our 10.30 in the morning show. Let's say I made a two o'clock in the afternoon show, a, a two hour live two o'clock in the afternoon. Okay, now I got to go out and get new people and they won't be quite as good as Chris or Rob. But they'll, you know, they'll, 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 I can still find good people, right? They won't be as good as Christian Rob, but they'll still be good. Okay. Now let's say I had a third show. Let's say now I had a 5 p.m. drive home, two-hour live show. Well, now I'm digging a little bit deeper into the thing, and the people I pull out there, I'm sure will still be pretty good, but they won't be as good as Chris and Rob, and they probably won't be as good as the people I got on the two o'clock show, or else I would have got them for the two o'clock show. All right. Now I had a fourth show, the 9 p.m. pre-bedtime show your your late night show right well now i gotta hire more people that i wouldn't hire for the 10 30 show and i wouldn't hire them for the two o'clock show and i wouldn't hire them for the five o'clock show but i need somebody for the nine o'clock show so you see that's what's happened with marvel yeah they're now having to work with people that otherwise they wouldn't have worked with because the people we did want to work with ahead of them we've already hired them for these other shows but now we got another one we got to do so and you got to go deeper and deeper and deeper into the into the barrel. You know, to speak to that, John, every studio has a list of directors that, because now studios are only making temples. So there's there's only 20 people on the planet Earth that studios at any one time. People fall off the list and come back on the list or whatever. New people come on the list, but there's only like 20 people. Marvel's already made 31 movies. And the people that, that would be vetted by any other studio to direct 150 million plus film 
Well, Marvel's not even dipping into those because they're all done. They've all cycled through. <laughs> They've all done. And it's who who do they get to make these movies? All right. What's next? From Sam Fisher. It's small, but what I don't like about the Marvel's poster is the tagline. In the comics, it's higher, further, faster, more. They keep dropping the more, which is really what makes the phrase. Yeah, it, but it it works better because there are the three. Right. So you use the three. It's punchier. Yeah, it, they do it in the cup. Again, you got to make some adaptation for what's pretty here. I, I respect that your opinion that you feel that way. I don't feel the same. I think it's better the way they're doing it. But I can see where you're coming from on that. But then the question would be more what? Yeah. More characters, more powers, more something. They're promising more a more that might not show. More cowbell. More cowbell. More, cowbell. more, cowbell. more well, That would be the meme. That would be the meme. That yes. would be the meme That's with adding, looking adding Christopher Walken at the end. What's next? From CJ Rebirth. Even though we had a di- we had different views on Ant-Man 3, thanks again for the pick, John. Nice to finally meet you and Anne and at least see Ray. LOL. Oh, that's right. I, I was really lucky. I, I One of the great things about going to the movies is that we often bump into people who were John Campia show viewers, and I had a good chance to bump into and take a few pictures of some people last night cg cj rebirth who's one of our regular oh, viewers on the show was there last night yeah we were looking for you it's like that's, oh that's right i went for you guys yeah so, this is the thing <laughs> oh, right let me can, can, let me vent about my brother-in-law for a second ray is perfect i i, I is <laughs> is is probably the most socially gifted person i've ever met like when i lived in burbank like he would hang out in my garage and then just go around and start making friends with all my neighbors who hang out in their garage. Like every Ray is the most socially gifted person I've ever met, who is also the most antisocial person I've ever met. <laughs> so like we we come out of a movie. It happens every fucking time. We come out of a movie. It doesn't matter if it's just with me and Anne or if we're with six other people. We'll come out of the theater. We're all hanging around in the foyer talking. Where's Ray? Oh, he just went outside and it's like waiting by the because car. Because it's so crowded when the, the, <laughs> the cinema's leaving. If I don't have to use the restroom, I'm waiting outside. So I didn't know. That's why you guys took so long. I was yeah, like, because even like we have, we're taking pictures with people and a couple of them were asking, oh, is, is Ray here too? Can I get a picture with Ray? It's like, and I'm like, I think Ray's in the bathroom. And Anna's like, nah, he's not in the bathroom. He already went yeah, to yeah. the car. <laughs> it's like, so it's like all right. no one pooping at those, in those bathrooms. <laughs> no one pooping in those bathrooms. <laughs> Because that would have been too long. I would have been in there too long. <laughs> you went PP right after the <laughs> Didn't I just call this guy the most socially gifted person? <laughs> I didn't go. I didn't and need to go PP. You did. <laughs> the poop that took a pee. <laughs> ah, all right. What's next? From Vess, a.k.a. Mr. Nose, no Days Off again. But, John, where's that Felipe the Sentient Dancing Microphone movie? Have a great weekend, fam. Uh, Kevin Feige's working on it. He demanded the, uh, the uh, I, I, yeah, by the way, here's, here's a little look at the This, of course, is like the world's greatest John Campia figure. I still can't, and yeah, it does say bring on the filthy on the shirt. This was, uh, one of our viewers made this for me. And the lightsaber lights up and everything too. But there he is. There's Felipe. There's Felipe, the sentient dancing microphone. Believe you me, Kevin Feige is working on it. Now he's going to team up with the Pixar lamp. That's right. Aww. <laughs> From LeBron James Earl Jones. Ant-Man 3 has interesting concepts like freedom fighters. The comedy was hit and miss. Okay, no, let's move on. Oh, okay. Just, just like the, we should be talking about specifics that were in the film. Appreciate it, but I just want to play Thank you, LeBron safe. James Earl safe. Jones. Your handle is really great. That's a fantastic name. That is a great handle, though. Yes, it is, completely. It. From Oscar Layout, Ant-Man 3 is basically a Star Wars ripoff film. You can say that about a thousand movies, So is though. Top Gun. I mean, it's funny because a lot of the um, a lot of the the first reactions coming out of Ant-Man and the Wasp 2 was 
it's this is the Star Wars movie of the MCU. And I don't really get that, but I, I can see where that comes from. So it's kind of funny that you mentioned that as well, because we I've heard a bunch of other people make that same comparison. All right, what's next? From Kay the Specialist. Saw Ant-Man twice, really liked it. It's a quantum realm movie, not Scott's. And yes, invest more in locations. That's what I loved about Eternals. See, I get it that, you know, there's no, not a lot of locations. Like, we're around uh, Pasadena. Can we shoot the quantum realm? Right. I get that. Like, I get that. But then maybe take that in consideration when you're writing it. I mean, I don't know. Ooh. Like, you really do feel the volume of this movie. And by the volume, we're talking about that sound stage that they used to make the Mandalorian. Like, you really feel it in this movie. It's a big CGI slobber fest. Um, but listen, the important thing is that you enjoyed it. And I'm glad you enjoyed it. Um, let's never be, guys, everybody, let's never be those fans where it's like, well, I didn't like that movie, so I don't want you to like it either. No, I, I, I love that you loved it. I'm jealous that you loved it. I wish I did too. But uh, yeah, I really did feel the voluminess of it the whole time through. I know. Anyway, all right, what's next? From Sam Fisher, I was really hoping you would like Ant-Man. Help me, me see whatever good you saw that I missed because I value your opinion. Um, listen, I think even as somebody who did not enjoy the film, there are things to enjoy in it. Uh, enough that I could totally get those really being more predominant for some people and that giving other people a better experience in the movie theater than I did personally. Um, and yeah, there are definite highlights of the film unfortunately to me and only for me there weren't enough and they weren't enough to overcome what i thought were a lot of the negatives of the film and it's hard to go into my specific negatives without getting into spoilery details so we'll talk about that sunday night at our live event and then again on monday and our our we'll do an open spoiler discussion stream on monday all right what's next from the fault in our death stars, I got chat GPT to recap Gone Girl and other movies <laughs> in the narrative style and tone of Louise from Ant-Man. It was pretty good. I That's want that funny. so much. Yeah. I I remember somebody was asking about, you know, chat GPT and whatever. And I, I, I played around with it a bit, but while what it can do is remarkable, it ain't there. And I think that's a perfect example of that, right? Like, because somebody running is like, oh, what point is they just just say write a movie script and it's going to just write a great movie? Well, no, and no, I played with it that way. Yeah, and that, and the like, I, that I, is no, it's 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 not there yet. Well, again, what it can do is remarkable, but it it ain't there yet. And I think that's what you the way you just put that is the perfect illustration about how it can do it. But there's a difference between doing it and doing it remotely right. And I think the way you just illustrated is probably the perfect example of that. All right, what's next? From Noah, given some of the shared lineage in the comics, it would be cool if Jay Majors also played Reed Richards in Fantastic Four. Any chance? No. Yeah, I don't think so either. No. Um, I mean, I think even just like take the story problems of that out of it. It's just not something I feel like the MCU would do. So I, I think there's a very, very, very small chance of that. Uh, now, him playing other characters, we could discuss those later when, when we're a bit more of an opening spoiler kind of thing, but I, I don't think Reed Richards will be one of them. All right, what's next? From Jai CSC, sending in a $25 super chat. Oh, thank, thank you so you, much. Jai. I didn't read Marvel comics as for me, it soon felt like I was wading waist deep through syrup. Mm. I loved the MCU because it never felt like that until phase four. I don't dislike it, but it feels dense and tiring to get through. 
you know what? That's not a bad way to put it. I uh, yeah, no, I I totally understand what he's feeling. Let let's let's bring up my uh, the uh the classroom again for a second if we're if we're able to. But when you go down this list, I unlike the previous list, right? Like when you go up to this one, oh my god, it felt you were like hopping on a raft in some white water rapids. Like you just jumped in and boom, it did, like you just sailed through these movies. Look at the banger after banger after banger. This list, hey, there, there's some, there's some ups, there's some ups. I, guess I like Doctor Strange: Multiverse of Madness. I do. I like that movie. I like, I like Thor: Love and Thunder with all those problems. But yeah, you look at this list. It's like this is a list that you don't get to jump on the ride. This is a list you got to get through. Mm. And that's the difference between the MCU and what the MCU has been late. Look at this list. Of, that's a big list of projects. And, but so that's a really good way of putting it, Jai. I appreciate the illustration. All right. What's next? From Sin Vendetta. Hey, John, looking forward to seeing you, Alba, and Harloff this Sunday. I think it's going to be a fun night, but genuine question. I've never been to Flappers before, so how's the parking there? Here's Wonderful. the great, this is one of the reasons why I selected. So when we decided, when me, Greg, and Harloff decided to do this, I wanted to find a location that, because listen, finding a theater space is not easy. You'd think it'd be super easy in LA, huh. but there were places that like 100 seat theaters that wanted seven, I, I'm not kidding, 100 seat theaters that wanted like $7,000 for the night, right? And I'm like, a what? Excuse me? No. Um, plus we wanted more See, We wanted closer to 200 seats and all that kind of stuff. Flappers is awesome because it's right in downtown Burbank. It's a super, for if you, for any of you who are coming from outside of it, it's a super safe, wonderful, beautiful area. And it is surrounded by gigantic parking structures, both right across the street. And if that one happens to be full, which I've seen it be full maybe twice in my life, one and a half blocks over is the old Ikea parking structure, which has like another 5,000 parking spots. So you will have one of the very specific reasons I selected Flappers was because there's a lot of parking around. So uh, I I was thinking of you the whole time. What's going to be the best experience? So yes, you're going to have no problems finding a parking spot. All right, what's next? Um, next, this is from Travis James, but he also his chat got cut off. So what he said was, hey, I was really looking forward to Weekly Hero this week. Did I miss it? You did not, Travis. I was sick last week. So then we had to reshuffle things because they were interviewing Jerry Bruckheimer, but we're doing one today. Yes. So yay. And then the follow-up part of that um, is also congrats, Taylor, on your 1K YouTube channel. Oh, thank you so much. I just hit a thousand subscribers this morning. It is crazy because I did my Ant-Man Quantumania review last night. And it's already up to 4,000 views. So thank you guys so much. I am very appreciative of that. Yay. So so just to repeat what, what Chris is saying. Yeah, because we were going to have uh, Weekly Hero, but we had to do the Jerry Bruckheimer interview. So Weekly Hero today at 2 p.m. Mm -hmm. Los Angeles time. That's 5 p.m. New York time. Weekly Hero special day today, but it is today. Smash right, that it? bell. Hit the like <laughs> button. Do those things. Yeah. <laughs> From Batmat11, hi, John and Rob. Have always wondered, what's the difference between a script and a screenplay? Well, well, okay, a script, a script is a generic, a script is a generic term. A screenplay specifically refers to a script that is written for the movie screen. A teleplay, and by the way, this is delineated by the Writers Guild of America, a teleplay is a feature-length 
script that is written as a TV movie yes. script. Mm -hmm. And then there are TV mm -hmm. scripts, but a screenplay is a script written for the screen. It, it, but but also they are quite often and quite appropriately completely interchangeable. Completely, yeah, completely. Right. Unless unless you're talking about the WGA rules and minimums, right? Yeah, then they're very defined. All right, what's next? From Michael Johnston. Hey Rob, thoughts on Michael Crichton's novel Sphere in the movie? Ooh, that's a good one. Okay, a lot of people will tell you that that bears a striking resemblance to Tarkovsky's uh, story Solaris that the movie is also both movies are based on. I liked Sphere, but I didn't love Sphere. Yeah, I, didn't, I didn't like it much. I, I, you know, I was, to be honest, uh, I know a gentleman who was one of the co-writers. Did Sing direct that? What's that? Did no, Tarzan? he didn't direct. And I'm trying to think who did direct Sphere. I want to say Barry Levinson directed Sphere, mm. but I'm, I think he did. But I found it, look, Sharon Stone, come on, what's up? But it, I just didn't love it. I didn't love it. But I, I like the book more. You know, I'm a, I'm a Michael Crichton fan. Uh, you know, I I would devour his books when when he was doing like when he wrote Disclosure. I'd read those in like one sitting. A movie, uh, a book he wrote that never got made into a movie that they tried was Airframe. Uh, I I liked Airframe. You can watch I read the those things. Big Mouth special on Disclosure. They what? Big Mouth did something with Disclosure, the Nick Kroll comedy animated oh, oh, series. Oh, they did because they did yeah. make that movie with Demi Moore and yeah. But you know, all right. What's next? From uh, Zeus. Hello, crew. It's a Godzilla type of day for me, and I'm going to rewatch Shin Godzilla for the third time. Bro. If you watch Shin Godzilla, I recommend. Shin Godzilla is dope. As a matter of fact, that was the last man in suit Godzilla movie they made. The great thing about Shin Godzilla, what's so awesome about it, is it's kind of told from the perspective of Japanese FEMA. And it's like a retelling of the first Godzilla movie. So they treat Godzilla like it's a, a, natural, a disaster. natural disaster. It's so good. Shin Godzilla is so good. Watch it. Love it. All right, what's next? The Fault in Our Death stars again. I can't remember the last time Leonardo DiCaprio dated a woman his age. I guess you can say it's been 84 years. <laughs> what am I missing? <laughs> Titanic. It's a Titanic joke. <laughs> oh, my God. There was a great meme I saw the other day where it was Inception, and it was like, it was Leonardo DiCaprio with uh, his wife in the movie, right? He goes, in Inception, Leonardo DiCaprio's wife is roughly the same age of him, so you know this is a fictional movie or something like that. Like <laughs> it's all a dream. There yeah, you he's go. still in the dream. All right, what's next? From Murray Reich, after seeing Ant Man three, I'm more excited for the upcoming Flash movie than the next MCU. It's lost its way. Um, here's the thing. While I'm the one sitting here saying the MCU's lost its magic, it, and and it has, it's lost that 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 magic we were talking about. By the way, I defined it earlier. Magic can return. And it's kind of funny that you mentioned you're looking forward to the next DC thing because DC is currently being run by a guy named James Gunn and the next MCU film is a film being made by that guy, James Gunn. And I've got a lot of excitement for that, Guardians. Yeah, I do too. I, and again, as quickly as the magic has disappeared, it can come back. I, I, it's still Kevin Feige. At, and now with new directives from Bob Iger saying, let's pull back, let's, let's focus more on quality Let's really invest our money and our time and our man hours and everything. Let's really invest those into less of a number of things and make those things better. I, I think they can easily return to the magic. I think they can. They're just not in it right now. I just want to know, John, my most anticipated MCU thing for the rest of this year is Secret Invasion. And when is it going to get dated? I'm, yeah, I think it's going to get a date like five weeks before it comes out. 
Probably. Like, I, look, I love the trailer. You know, I love the scripts. Uh, I, I really <laughs> can't <laughs> wait for that show. And to me, it's, I, I'm excited. Yeah, I'm kind of stoked for it too. The first and that might be a- why they pushed part of the reason they pushed Marvels. I don't think so. I think that really just had to do with swapping it out yeah. with uh, with the uh, and maybe they'll put it Haunted down. Maybe they'll put it on Disney Plus in the summer, July. Yeah. All right, what's next? From Zach Larson, do you think a Martian Manhunter film is in Gunn's plan? He has a tragic backstory that I would love to see brought to the big screen. I hope. Look, I know I'm in the minority. I. I I think Martian Manhunter is a lame character. No, I don't care. I, 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 well, come on. We're never getting sponsored I, by Oreos. I know That's everybody it. always gets mad at me when I say that. It's, I mean, it really came across as lame and, and lame in the uh, uh, in the DC. Man Beyond and Martian Manhunter. Too. I seriously. So I hope not. But listen, James Gunn <laughs> is all about taking the weirdest and the wackiest and making them incredibly entertaining so if anybody can make martian manhunter work on a live screen it'll be james gunn and maybe he'll team up with gem son of saturn <gasps> <laughs> all right what's next from richard cuts the people in my imax showing of ant-man last night stood up and clapped and cheered at the end yeah. well, that's good. Hey, th- there were there were a couple of people in our audience too that clearly had a really good time i mean it was also very clear that not all of them did <laughs> but there were definitely people in our in our audience that was having a good be time. cool in imax yeah, Although, I, I saw it. I saw it the way it should be. I saw it in the AMC Prime, which is of course yeah. my favorite theater format. But it's uh, yeah. All right, what's next? From Eddie Vedder, stunt double. Do you think they also could have moved the Marvels to close to that nine to ten month gap between films for twenty twenty four, or to close that? Excuse me. You know what? That's not a bad theory because we've talked about this before. That after the Marvels, there is this inexplicable huge chasm. Uh, that was partly created by some of the other problems that we talked about like a year ago. But, and of course the pandemic, the still living in the effects of pandemic, blah, blah, blah. But you know what that, I'm not going to say that is it, but I wouldn't be shocked if we found out that that had a little bit something to do with it. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's not a bad theory. I like Wouldn't that. hurt their quarterlies too, to spread it yeah. out. Yeah, that's true as well. All right, what's next? From Mr. Holdbrook, how important is the end credits for Ant-Man and Rob, uh, Jazz Inc., Batmobile, or Hot Toys? I Here's the thing. If the end credit scenes for Ant-Man didn't exist, it really wouldn't affect anything. It would just be something we'd get caught up on later. But they're good. I mean, that's, that's the thing. Post-credit scenes should not be important, right? If something's really super important, it should be in the movie itself. But it should also be something that thrills and excites and builds anticipation. And in that sense, I, I think the post credit scenes were really kind of perfect because they set up and kind of foreshadow something. Again, they didn't have to be there because they could do that later, but they were there and they got the audience excited. Really good use of post credit scenes, in my opinion. And as far as jazzing Batmobiles go, we have the 66 Batmobile right there That's in awesome. the entryway. And what you're talking about is specifically the 89 Batmobile that uh, Jazz Inc. announced. I have the Hot Toys 89 Batmobile. They're re-releasing it. It's great. But the Jazz Inc. stuff, they're making the Batman Forever Batmobile, but they're making the Batman Batmobile that has smoke and light effects in it. Yeah. And they're doing Batman 89. So I'm a huge Jazz Inc. fan. I got the Snowspeeder and the Batwing coming. So... I'm a big fan. You got to use your own, got to make up your own mind though. You'll probably get the Jazz Inc. 89 Batmobile before you're going to get the Hot Toys Batmobile though. All right. What's next? From Q. John, I know you like Shogun. Have you seen Har- Harakiri from 1962? One of the best samurai movies? Sorry if I butchered that. 
I have not known that. No, no, I'm not familiar with that one. Yeah, Shogun is my. I'm not familiar with. Are you familiar? I have. I know Harakiri. I don't own it. I, but my buddy of mine does. I've never seen it. But Shogun's one of my favorite TV miniseries of all time. Love Shogun so much. All right, what's next? From Terror, I see a lot of people discussing who the next Spider-Man villain will be. But don't we already know the symbiote saga has begun? Can we bring that question up again? Sorry, I missed some of that. Uh, uh, I see a lot of people discussing who the next Spider-Man villain. Oh, okay. No, I think they're going to abandon that pretty quick. I, I don't think Sony is interested in letting them use Venom. I think I think I Sony agree. wants to make their own thing. I don't think Sony's interest. Th- that brings up the question: Well, why did they do that? Who knows why they did what they did? I'm not really sure, but I don't think it's going to be Venom. I mean, could be wrong, but I don't think it will be. <laughs> I agree with you. All right, what's next? From uh, T.J. Perry, horror movies you guys each think deserves a remake. Minus Thirteen Ghosts, The Jackal scared the shit out of me. <laughs> Was Thirteen Ghosts the Silver it. Pictures one? But isn't that a remake of a Thirteen Ghosts that was already made? I'm trying to think of a horror movie. You know what? Okay, so there's one that I think really suffered from. I know it wasn't super close, but relative closeness to the um, uh, the M Night Shyamalan um, Sixth Sense. It was a. I'm trying to remember the name of the movie, but it was Nicole Kidman, and it was like the others. The others. I think that was a movie that came out at the wrong time. That movie's great. It, it It's really pretty good, but I think it just came out in the wrong time. And I think if you remade that today, I, I think it might be received better than it, than it was at the time. Cause it wasn't particularly successful and, and all, and a lot of people don't even remember it that well, nope. but, but I think if you remade that one, that one could, could have some success. I want to remake Videodrome. For the uh, modern age. All right. What's next? From Mike's Movie Madness. Jenna Ortega is from my hometown of Coachella Valley. Oh, wow. So it's great seeing her blow up. I'll be watching SNL on March 11th. Yeah, again, they made the announcement. We mentioned that earlier today. They made the announcement she's going to be hosting it. Uh, I'm guessing three sketches where she's going to be doing a dance number. I'm, <laughs> I'm guessing they're going to lean into that pretty heavy. Um, listen, she is she's killing it. She's And she's really good. I mean, that's the thing. She's quite good. Like, I was not a fan of X, but she's great in it. Um, I, I liked her in, in Scream 5. I'm looking forward to this one. So, yeah, she's kind of having a moment right now. They've got to do something where Ghostface is pursuing her through the build, the, the backstage. Oh, my God. The, the like, she's in New York. Going. Sketches. That'd be so she's fun. In New York. That could be fun. All right. What's next? From uh, Just a Sub 32, is Ant-Man the sign of an MCU fatigue? Again, I don't think it's MCU fatigue. Okay, let's again, let's go back to the classroom for a second. Look at all these movies. There's no fatigue because they're all great. That's the thing. You, p- people are not going to get tired. People don't get tired of excellence. All right? People don't get tired of excellence. What they do get tired of is they can get tired of some mediocrity. You know, the, the, the ride of, okay, this one's going to be good, but the next one won't be, and the next one's all right, and the other one's not so good. Like, that's, people can get tired of that. And so I don't think it's comic book movie fatigue. I think it's just a sign that Marvel has not been living up to their already established high standards. And maybe that's becoming a victim of your own success, but once your standards drop back down to what everybody else's is, which is some will work, some don't, some are good, some aren't so good, and people can get tired of that. You can get tired of that yeah. pretty quick. But you go back to that other list 
where you're putting out civil war after this and that, and where everything is just killing it. Nobody's getting tired of that. That's why nobody has gotten tired of it in 20 years. Anyway. All right. What's next? From uh, Guillaume LaBelle. Some support. Thank you so much. Thank you, Guillaume. And uh, is that it? Mm -hmm. And guys, that'll do it. For today's installment of the John Campion Show, thank you so much for being here, making this show part of your day. Big special thank you to all you guys who sent in those super chats, number one, because you gave us great fun things to talk about, but number two, you supported this channel as you did it, and all of us involved with the John Campion Show, thank you guys so very much for your support. Again, guys, don't forget, a little bit later this afternoon at 2 p.m. Los Angeles time, the newest edition of The Weekly Hero, coming hot off the presses with Robert Meyer Burnett and Chris Carr. Make sure you guys come on back and join us for that. All right, guys, that'll do it for now. For everybody in the room, Mr. Robert Meyer Burnett, Ray Orr has been back there, Taylor Gonzalez, and of course, running the show today as always, Jonathan Voico and the wonderful Chris Carr. My name's John Campia, guys, and until next time, my friends, bye-bye.